Welcome to the Critical Witness podcast, where we talk faith, apologetics, evangelism, and anything else we can think of. We hope you enjoy the show. This is the Critical Witness, and thanks for joining us. We've got London theist, also known as Dean. Uh, with us, we'll have a chat with him. Uh, met Dean on Twitter, basically. So this is the first time we've really interacted, really had a, a, a chat. So we're going to see where it goes. Um, feel free to ask questions in the live chat, and we'll try and respond to them. Um, just as we, we start, well, I've got Dan. I keep I keep listening back to the podcast, and I never introduce Dan. <laughs> Dan, Dan is, is here. I'm, I'm still here. <laughs> He's still here. And uh, let's just get right in. Dean, how, how did you uh, become a Christian? Um, yeah. And maybe even for the last year, why are you still a Christian? <laughs> evening, Phil, Dan. Great to finally be on. I've been watching for a long time. Yeah, so I'll, I'll do a general background. I mean, I was raised very secular London. I was brought up in East London, Walthamstow, Chingford, um, towards Essex. And I've just, yeah, I've, I was very much secular, very much... Uh, the way most people in England, I suppose, are raised nowadays, very secular country. I was, all my friends, I, I didn't have any like Christian friends going up through school. I, my nan on my dad's side was Catholic from Northern Ireland, but not like attending church. And I never spoke about faith or anything like that, but I knew she was. Uh, yeah, and as I went on through my teen years, there was never, there, I, I would always say I was agnostic, but I was never, it was never nothing too much in my mind, to be honest with you. It was, I, I was all right in school. I had interests in history, but not religion or anything like that. Religious studies was just the class we were mucked around in, to be honest. It was uh, a bit like every other religion was taught apart from Christianity, it seems. But And it was yeah, it was just a bit bit boring, Not didn't interest me whatsoever. But as I got to about, I think, the first flashes with uh, Christianity and theism when I was about 17, my brother, actually, he was younger, a couple of years younger than me, brought a Bible into the house. And my parents thought, what's going on? Like, they, they again, they, they're they not Christians, but they're not atheists there. They were just like, well, it could be. They, they never spoke about God. So I was like, what's going on here? He's got his Bible. He's taking notes in it. He's, he's uh, he, yeah, he's just really interested in it. So we, we was just like, question, like saying, what's going on? And he, he was just interested. He, he's very, when he's close to his heart, his personal issues and things like that. And then it was just like a, a spirit sort of come over the house. It was like everyone's got a bit interested and it was a gradual little period and then it got really interested. And then I was, I, I just, I got my own Bible and I was looking into it and then me and my parents and my brother started attending a local church in Bucks Hill. Hmm. And yeah, we, we it went on, my brother then stopped after a couple of weeks. He just didn't really like the church side of it. He just wanted his, reading his Bible and that was fine. But me and my mum and dad went for about six months, I'd say. And over that period, yeah, it, I, I was watching a bit of YouTube uh, things, not not apologetics, but more like um, the God. Uh, I don't know if you've got Sky TV, you guys, but on like five eight zero, there's like this, the God Channel and Revelation right, TV, yeah, TBN, and there's people on it like Joe Osteen, um, Joyce Mayer, T D Jakes. They, they, they were the first things I was seeing. Billy Graham, 
And I quite, I quite liked it. And I was thinking, uh, you know, this is positive. And Joe Osteen, very positive man. <laughs> like, so it wasn't so much authentic Christianity. It was, just, it was just me getting, but it was a lot, I was trying to pray. And yeah, it, it was it was over that period. But then over about, by about six months, I'm still young, about 18 at the time. I'm still going out with my friends. We're drinking a lot. I was very much raised in like a pub culture and nightlife, uh, football, always watching football, rugby, things like that. So it, I just, they were going on lads holidays and then I, I was going as well. And it, it just drifted, you know, if, if I'm honest, it was, I was still firmly in the world mindset. It wasn't, um, yeah, it, it was, it, it was never, it was more like I was aware of Christianity now and God and I was praying, but I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't looking at, I wasn't a Christian to me. There was no grounding. There was, I didn't even understand much about the cross and Christ's redemption or Christ being God. Uh, yeah, so it, it took, and after that, I suppose it, I drifted for about well, ten years kind of, but <laughs> for about five years especially, and I was going a bit between work. So I worked like as a maintenance officer, so I studied plumbing. I was a plumber for a bit, labouring, and in a maintenance facilities officer at university. And it, yeah, I, I joined Greenwich three years ago, sorry, with the university or five years ago, and then I met Alexia almost four years ago, who's my fiance now. So I met her and just before then, I was going through like bad times. I was a bit down a bit. It was it, There was nothing motivating me. I drifted completely away from God or anything like that. I was never an atheist, but I was again back to agnostic pretty much all them years. And then I got into um, like, again, like I was watching YouTube. I was trying to look for motivation and TD Jakes, people I remember before. And it motivated me. And it was more like a um, Joel scene. It was... It was more for a period of just self-motivation, like positive thinking. Mm -hmm. So I started getting into like law of attraction, positive thinking for a while. And it did help. It did change me, to be honest. It, it improved my character. I was I was more, more kind. I was like uh, Les Brown and other people like that. I was buying their books, CDs, and going through that phase. But I was still where I listened to TDJ and people like that. You're still kind of getting the Christian image in it as well. Mm. So I was... Yeah, so for a while I was in that period and I'd met Alexia through that period and my life was going well. I'd got the new job and everything was progressing. And then from that, in that period, I'm looking online, I found Jordan Peterson. And now Jordan Peterson was someone, who I'm sure you're aware of Jordan Peterson, aren't you guys? And yeah, he'd done a biblical lecture. First, it was like his meaning quotes and his uh, motivational videos. And I really enjoyed that. Get yourself together, pick up your cross and carry it. It was a very religious symbolism and i'm hearing this as well from td jakes and other things so i'm hearing these things again and i watched all, like all his biblical lectures all the way through and the way he was talking about the things in genesis and because this is what i didn't say earlier when i was about 18 and i was talking to my friends saying i'm attending the church and they're like attending church like adam and eve like you think dinosaurs were on the art like that's how they think like it's such a literal fundamental and at that time i was thinking yeah, that don't sound right. I've, I've been taught evolution. I've been taught these things. I, I've studied, I love dinosaurs and documentation and that. And I was thinking 65 million years ago, they were extinct. And I'm trying to get my head in. I'm watching some Christians saying evolution is false. Um, 6,000 years, the earth's only that old. And it was just at that stage. So that was probably another reason where I wanted to still go out with my friends and I was hearing them objections. And they're really strong objections at the time when you're not really involved with God as you should be, or looking into it and exegesis in the Bible and understanding 
Uh, it's not all literal science. It's not a scientific textbook. The, the first part of Genesis. Yeah. And that's very much how fundamentalists look at it. And that, that was very much how I and my friends still do kind of look at it. Well, I did originally. But anyway, yeah, Jordan Peterson in breaking that down and the way he was describing the psychological aspect of like Cain and Abel and the stories of that. And it just hit home. And I was like, whoa, that's deep. And, it, and I thought there, there's more to this than that. And then I started looking into like, I already briefly sort of looked at William Lane Craig, but then I started looking more at him again. And William Lane Craig's arguments against the new act, I was like, whoa, they, these people got answers. And I'm thinking, it took me a while to realize, of course, they got answers. It's 2,000 years of history. Yeah. If, if they had nothing to say, surely it would have just been completely disregarded. I know some atheists try and disregard it now, but it's, mm. it's so much deeper than that. So I went through that period and I, I still wasn't fully a Christian. And then I went through, I was, I was close. I mean, I was, I was still praying, I was starting to pray again. And I was watching all them things, but I was still going out with my friends and I still, me and Alexa were having problems. There was a few arguments and, and then my uncle died from alcoholism. And that sort of made me look deeper into meaning and life. And and another friend died of alcoholism. And it was it was all that thing. And I'm thinking, I'm drinking quite a lot. And is this what, what I want to be? What what do I want to set my life on? And like, mm. like what do I want to focus on meaning? So I, I, have you ever read a book, uh, Man's Search for Meaning, Victor yeah, Frankl? Yeah, Victor Frankl, yeah. Yeah, a brilliant book. And I was reading that at the time. Or, and that really helped. And he was a quite strong on the religious front like in terms of his view of it and how, how that religion helped and comforted people in the concentration camps yeah i was reading that again and there, there was just things drawing me and after all i just read I, I decided i think last may i just prayed to god like god if you, you're there show me I, i'm willing now i'm willing i'm, I'm sorry for my sins I, I know i've done things wrong in the past i know but but I wanna I want you now, Lord. I, I I just want the truth, and if you're there, just show me the truth. And little signs were just happening, and atheists laugh, and people will. But that, I know it's true. There's like little religious experiences. There were like dreams I was having where I was like at the Holy Selka Church, so I was um you know within Jesus's tomb, and I was like a bird's eye view above it, and then he he come out of the tomb like a man, and he come out to, and it was literally come that close, and I knew it was just Jesus had come at the tomb to me it was one of them dreams that was so real i opened my eyes and i looked up and i, I thought there was a man in front of me and it it oh. could have just been a dream but it was so so much and at the time where all that's happening mm. it was just something that made me think well i need I, I just need to keep praying looking into this more and more mm. and then yeah and then as i become a christian i had a lot of guilt because i realized the life i've been living things i thought were right would it, they don't line up with what the word of god says and what Christianity is actually about. So I'm, I'm actually now looking at it and not like 10 years ago, I'm looking and saying, no, this is what the Bible says. This is what a holy life should be. Mm. I shouldn't be getting out, going out, being drunk every week. And I, sh I shouldn't act the way I do sometimes. And and, and it's a big change. And, and your, your, your mind, I, I don't know how many people have had this. And I know I've watched some people say it on their like testimonials as well. You go into like a state for a while from about June to August where I was quite down because it was... I was wrestling with the guilt of what I'd done in the past and wrestling with the sinful nature. And, and, it, and because I didn't have a full understanding about God's love and God's mercy at that time, even though he was with me and in prayer and in compilation and some of the devotionals I was reading, I was feeling that peace, overwhelming peace, but I couldn't have that peace all the time because I wasn't used to praying. So it, hmm. that was quite a difficult few months. And 
it, I start, we started attending church. Like Alexia uh, was nominal Catholic. Like she was christened as a baby, but like in France, so that's what is quite common. Yeah. Her parents aren't Catholic, even though they, again, they would have been christened. But her nan is devoutly Catholic. And um, yeah, so we, we started attending churches in Greenwich. I asked and she, she was up for it. I mean, cool. and and that was cool. And that was a real benefit because we never really discussed God before or anything like that. It was just one of them. And she saw I was changing. She was interested in it. And she said, actually, no, I do pray from time to time. I am uh, a Christian anyway. And she mm. would, so we started attending churches like um, higher church Anglican churches down the road in Greenwich and um, Catholics, so a few Catholic churches. And they were great. Um, but and they helped me at the time, but none of them felt like home to me or her, to be honest. And it, it just felt, I, have you ever been to a Catholic um, or a high church Anglican? Are, are you high yeah. church Anglican? Yeah, we had our, our wedding bands were read in uh, high church Anglican. It was a little yeah. bit odd. Yeah, it's, it's just it's just different. It, it, it is very, I, I quite like it. I like the sacraments. I get mm. it. But when they're swinging the incense and they're yeah, in the big I get, robes, I get it. Yeah. it's because something completely different, alien to me, where I come from, mm. nothing. And when I, I was at 17, is low church Anglican, and that's in Bucker Still, and that's like near where my parents live. So we said one day in August, let's go there. I remember that fondly in my, my mind. And I remember at the time, it's always stuck with me. When I was leaving the church one time, the pastor I always liked, Ian his name, he, I was walking out with my parents one time towards the end. Of one of the last times I went in that church when I was 17 or 18, he winked at me. And it was just like to say, yeah, I, I see you in the church. It's, it, it was just a, a nice touch, like a friendly, mm. yeah, I, I noticed you. And I, it's always stuck with me. And I've always liked him. And we went back and he was there still, still the pastor. Uh-huh. He didn't recognize me straight away, but I, we spoke to him and I said I was here with my parents and years ago and we just felt at home. It was it was not a choir church or like in the high church. It wasn't big robes. It was just normal dressed pastor reading from the Bible, mm. uh, singing songs of praise, but with a band in the church. It's a lovely, beautiful old church, but they've mm. done it around. So they took the pews out mm. and you've got seats sitting at a different way. And it, like- it just felt like home and everyone was so welcoming. It was just a community. And we loved it, and we've been going since. And um, I was oh, – oh, another good re- religious experience I had, actually. When in July, when I was down quite a bit, when I was struggling, I was at work one day, and I was feeling guilty. And I was down, and I was like, God, God I need to know you're there because I know I've had these, like, touches from you, and I feel like you're directing me, but can you just show me something? So I'm praying, and I'm leaning over, and I'm sitting – I'm the facilities manager, and I'm sitting where my guys sit because I was covering, like, in a different office. And what happened – there's hardly any, this is a very, very secular university, by the way. It's like, don't, they, they just don't mention Christianity or anything like that there. But uh, so I knew there was one born again Christian, the head of the library in the whole place. So I'm sitting, so thousands of teachers, thousands of stuff, anyone could have walked in at this time. So I'm sitting there actually praying. He's walked in, he never comes in here because he always, it's very rare he would come. He come up, put his hand on my back and said, Dean, I need your help. I, I, I turned around, he was there <laughs> and I started like welling up and, I just spoke to him and he said about the signs he had when he's when he became a Christian and he was raised an atheist and it just awesome it, it blew my mind because it was the chance of that and again it's, mm-hmm. it could be coincidence but yeah. there's too many coincidences sometimes and certain it's things I've like seen and certain go. songs play at certain times which I know are signs which calm me and it's just the comfort I've found and talking to my pastor again and and he's got a love for history I, I, I went into his house right next to the um, church. 
where he lives and he's got bookshelves of books and I was looking at it the first time I walked in I thought well look at all this and it's like World War II Rome and I was like and then all the Christians I was like whoa yeah like <laughs> and we just get on so well and it was just like everything's falling into place I was baptized in September uh, cool. last year full immersion so they got like a pool in the church at the front yeah i went in and yeah it was about eight of us at the time church was packed i was nervous like i'm not a good speaker too much but uh so just i was really nervous but again i was standing at the front of the church and what they do they when he's blessing you and like uh saying do you will you be a loyal to christ and things like that people come and stand and put their hands on your back when they're praying over you like to mm. so they're standing by the pool so the pool's behind they're there they got their hands on me. I'm closing my eyes, and then I—it's the honest. It was the Holy Spirit. I'm sure because I—I I just felt a calmness. I was not nervous anymore, but I wanted to drop back. Have you ever seen them like healing things where they touch someone and they drop back? You get on well with our church. <laughs> and so this could have been like a Dan moment, a funny moment where I could have dropped and sent the guy behind me into the pool. <laughs> the whole church would have been in shock. But I had to keep opening my eyes and like not letting them sort of pray. And I was like, well. Stand up tall, then stand, keep it together. But I knew the calmness then, and that, that was the first time I felt like fully the Holy Spirit. Amazing. It came upon me just before I got in and baptized, and that was one of my special days. And it was beautiful. My Alexia was there, my family so how, were there. How long are we, we talking then for this this last process then? So that baptize was September. Was literally, literally September last year. Pardon? This whole this whole process of being oh, back May May no it was May till September so right. it was literally quite sort of what's that five months well, so that process was a couple of months of being down and then and still occasionally you could feel guilty like the devil can yeah. bad thoughts can still come in but it's it's not knowing how boy it was at that time and uh, yeah after September when I had the baptism I, I we've been attending church since. It's been a shame with COVID and being locked down. We mm. haven't been able to actually go back to our church since uh, February, end of February. Yeah, we're, we're so, Dan, is your church meeting? No, because we um, we meet in a school, and so the school hasn't allowed um, any use of the buildings, ex external groups since March. So, yeah, we've got a similar similar thing that we're starting to look at getting back together. But yeah, it's quite. A, it's quite amazing how much has happened in such a short space of time for you. One of the questions that's already come up, the program is dropping some questions in for you. So, uh, I like, are you a programmer? You're right. He can't kick you out of the chat, so he's just going to give you. Uh, <laughs> is he threatening to try and get me off of here already? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, just just in your your experience though, over that course of period, how, how much engagement with other faiths? I had so, I had before that. I grew up, I had a close Muslim friend, a close Hindu friend, and no close Christian friends, as I said, really, apart from my nan, but never spoke about it. And as I went to college and when I started working again, more Muslim friends, I'm from a part of East London where I was going to college, Leighton and Waltham, so where it's, it's predominantly Muslim. Like where I worked in Leighton Sixth Form College, I was the facilities officer there. 60% of the students were Muslim. It's just that demographic. So I was constantly, quite, quite often, listening to Quran talks. So I'd actually go watch them at that. So I'm just out of interest. Like as I said, there was that spell where, for like ten years, where I was just drifting, but I was still kind of interested. It was agnostic. I was never 
atheist or new atheist or whatever <laughs> the words the terms they which, want to say. whichever definition of atheism you want <laughs> yeah i was never never an atheist in that sense so i, I can never claim oh, i was an atheist but i was always agnostic but yeah i was I, so i had quite a lot of dealing with islam um i had friends who literally at work tried to convert me like well they, well, they weren't active but they was quite often telling me things and and I knew from when I was 17 a bit about Jesus and like I'd known enough where I could say, well, how's that line up with that? And it was the usual stuff he would tell me about the gospels you can't trust, you can't trust St. Paul, it's been corrupted over the years. And mm. But I wasn't exactly arguing from a Christian point anyway, I was just arguing about other things. And yeah, I, I was just saying I don't see how the God of Islam is true. And it's, it's got over the year, over that period, it was very much the draw of Christianity, the draw of meaning that Jordan Peterson, mm. as he was going through the Bible, it was just, it was just the spirit was drawing me, I'd say. So Islam, even though I, I still had the friends, and I still got friends. I've never felt a draw from it. I never, I've looked into it quite a, a, a bit. I've had quite a lot of discussions with it and it never, it's just, it, I just didn't think it had the intellectual strength or just knowing it was spiritual strength. And as I would say, I'd say, um, I'll just say that the whole thing about Christianity that God has become incarnate, incarnate because the hardest thing for me as an agnostic, I could never get mad around the problem of evil. And especially like that suffering and I've seen people suffer. I've seen mm. nasty things happen to a lot of people I know. And I don't see a deistic God, a distant God or Allah. I see he's just too distant. It, it doesn't, I don't see how it lines up. God, Allah's just, he's just too other. He's, he's nothing. Mm. We're, we're nothing like it. We're, we're just, just be good, follow these things and you'll get to heaven and you can have what you want and you can work your way in. And that whole thing, I just, I've never got, it's never touched me. It's, it's never made sense to me in my mind. It's never spiritually made sense, but a God who's incarnate, who come down and shared has got as close as possible to us as he possibly could to rekindle, not just us, but the whole creation, the whole of the universe in the theosis, like the, as the Eastern, Eastern Orthodox say, and to bring us up to him. Hmm. it's just beautiful to me. And the more I read into it about, um, yeah, yeah. Just the more I read about Christ and I've read book Richard Swinburne hmm. about God incarnate and NT Wright, the resurrection of the son of God. It's just all, it just touches me. It's like not, reading. It's not a small book. <laughs> they're not small books. No, 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 they're not small, but that's what we can get onto in a bit of books. Yeah, but, yeah. Because Did I've always learn... been interested in history. So hmm. reading's quite fun for me anyway. I'm a bit, <laughs> a bit Did you, um, have you always read like this like, before you became a Christian? Is, yeah. Have you yeah, always yeah, had so the I, habit of, of reading and, and learning and loving to learn or was this something that's Christianity sort of changed? I'd say it developed after school. Like in school, I used to muck around quite a bit. I, I was, I wouldn't say one of the worst people. I was never like a bully or nothing like that, but I just didn't, I wasn't interested. History sort of mm. caught my attention. And then it was after school. And when I started reading the Bible a bit when I was 17, that maybe kindled a bit of interest in that opened me up to interest in all worldviews and all history even more so and i got i haven't told you really yet i haven't expanded that i got into about five years ago uh, roman stoicism and i was reading like the meditations marcus aurelius i was reading the daily stoic like a daily devotional right. I, I was reading quite a bit about mindfulness as well so as well as during that period, I was reading a lot of World War II stuff and Roman stuff, Roman history, Tom Holland books. Rome, mm -hmm. uh, I've got the mini in here. Uh, we can talk about <laughs> that's a brilliant book. But um, I was reading his earliest stuff, Crossing the Rubicon, other things like that. So I've always, yeah, so since about 17, 18, I've been really interested in books. 
I, I just really enjoy books. So uh, I, I was interested in like uh, Dostoevsky, Crime and Punishment, The Brothers, Karama. I can't pronounce it. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, so yeah, I yeah, was definitely. interested in reading for a while. How, how do you um see so one of the questions here that's why I'm asking it is um not the programmer is it yeah it is it is yeah all of them are from the programmer <laughs> at the moment uh but just just on this topic like nine so you've got a nine to five job yeah and a fiance how do you find the time to read these and now like the resurrection of the son of god is 900 odd pages isn't it yeah so yeah <laughs> it's like 800 page i think yeah but um so i just devote periods of the day so I, I don't read in the morning i, I work eight till four so right. i get up about seven at breakfast there go go to work and then once i'm home i i've now got a puppy by the way so like if you hear any noise like it's cock spaniel i uh, <laughs> got her a couple of weeks ago and so um yeah apologies for any barking but it's going to be harder now because at the moment i'm trying to read it because she's jumping on me she's biting yeah. my feet so so uh, near your so books i lost a couple like, of my I, dog yeah <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I just generally normally read for a couple of hours a night. Once I get home, I, Alexia cooks most of the time. Uh, sometimes I cook as well, but I'd wash the dishes after or something like that. But we, we we do both do both of the bits of the housework. But yeah, I always I don't tend to watch. I like sports, so I'd watch football when it's on. But I don't. I, I'd either be at the moment like watching you guys on YouTube, uh, your channel, catching Christiani, Braxton Hunter, things like that. Uh, and I, yeah, so I, I don't really spend time doing much else. <laughs> I go gym, I go work, I go gym, I read. So I, I, I find and I tend to focus on one book at a time because it keeps me in the, I'm someone, if I, I even I've got a lot of books, I, I try and finish one. I try and stick to that. I know there's other people who say it benefits reading three books at a time of passage year, passage there, but it just doesn't work like that for me. I really need to get Did into you? it and remind myself of where i'm at what's happening i'm not the quickest reader but i do get through i got through the nt right book in two months so do you um in terms of like reading books do you try and read um do you read uh, mainly sort of christian books or, or books that are uh, you know sort of neutral or do you try and make a habit of reading books that, that sort of challenge the christian view that's something you've made a habit of or, or... yeah at, at the moment, well, since I've been a Christian, it, it, I dived straight into Christian books. I wanted to see the best. I wanted to, I'd heard about N.T. Wright. I'd heard about yeah. Richard Swinburne, Ed Fazer, William Lane Craig. So I bought all their books. I just, I, I, over the time, built all that. And uh, yeah, I'm still getting through all them. So it, it's, I bought, I'll show you. I, I posted it on Twitter the other day. My, actually, I didn't buy it. My uncle gave me this and said, I must read. So this is probably the most anti-Christian book I can <laughs> just start. Just what did start you make it? Let's, let's start on that one. So, Sabians, what did you have? You read it, Dan? Yeah, when it first came out. I, well, I haven't finished, by the way. I'm a, maybe oh, three right, years yeah. ago. Or something. I'm what a third, a quarter of the way through, just over. But this is what I've been reading a bit lately. But with oh. the dog, it's been a bit harder at the moment. But yeah, I just from the start, it's it's. I get it. Like if you're an atheist, this is what the world is literally what he's saying there's not objective morality there's not we're just what's his first chapter called not exceptional uh yeah. an animal of no significance and yeah. we are let's be, let's be honest if if you you can try and spice up atheism whatever you like 
but I've always thought this as an agnostic, even like atheism just not is nihilism. It, it leads to nihilism. It can lead to to just that outlook. What he's saying, we're, we're not a special animal. We're actually, we're an animal that's done a lot of wrong things. Neanderthals were wiped out by us. Um, mm. We've been bad to animals. Our farming's bad, and that, that's just what I've got to so far. But the funny thing about him, it, it <laughs> like the big topics that make me believe in God and like. Uh, the proofs like the the origins like Sagar in his book and what he spoke to you about the origins of the universe origins of the life on the planet origins of con human consciousness he just swipes over it, literally in the book we don't know we don't know we don't know that on all three of them points so far so that's fire enough but he's, he's obviously not he knows there's not a atheistic answer for a naturalistic answer to that and he's just focusing on his view of what yeah what mm. what naturalism is and what, what the history of the earth is without no god which is fine and it's interesting me but it's not yeah. it's not saying i'd read and i'll think well now i'm an atheist but <laughs> yeah but i do want to read other people like graham opie and i know there's a lot of real heavy hitting atheists and i would like just to see i've watched some of his debates with ed Pfizer on catching christianity and some of his stuff and there, there are really smart atheists so so we're getting to Twitter in a bit, Phil. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. No when, when I make comments like that, and which we'll talk about in a bit, it's not. Uh, it was never. I don't know, I've never said a waifus are stupid, a waifus are immoral, because I know that's not. That's yeah. not what I would say. Some Christians might say that, but well, yeah. it's not true. No. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we, we, there's there's quite a bit in in your story, and it's great to hear your story and actually put a face to the, the Twitter handle. Um, but there's happy to go where this conversation kind of takes us. Feel free to ask us questions back. Um, yeah. yeah. Right. How Don't, do you, uh, you both finish this book? We could stick on this book for a bit if you're. Yeah, yeah I, I have. But it's, it has been a little while. I wasn't that impressed. I mean, for, for, for me, it felt like it felt like a forced narrative. <laughs> like this, this is the way that if we look at history, Here's how we fit in an evolutionary theory through yeah. that and let's make a story and it felt like he had an agenda all the way through and as you said the points where you're like that's that seems to have skipped over um and i I'm, my i don't remember too much of like the detail i remember the feeling of walking of like putting it down going nah <laughs> i didn't really it didn't really click with me I, Dan, you said like three years ago or something. Do you remember? I remember him being a very good writer. I think, like you're saying, like he's he's really good at weaving um, a narrative that I think is attempting to provide some sort of like a he's probably trying to create a sort of meaningful narrative uh, from um, you know certain assumptions that make that very difficult. You know that's what religions are so good at is is providing human beings with with you know whether they're you know true or false uh, they're very good at meeting those deep-seated yeah. sort of needs that we have for meaning purpose and identity and things like that and um i was just reading it thinking uh, it was unsatisfying from that perspective but actually i think you know the way he told his story i think with the with the with the ingredients that he had i thought he made uh, you know not a half bad cake but it 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 was it it wasn't deeply satisfying um in you know in, in a kind of um 
you know, responding to the kind of questions, as I said, those, those, those big questions that we have. But I just remember him being a very, very good writer. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed reading it. Um, yeah. Yeah. And the, um, I think in some ways, what you're saying, that there's things that we've done that are bad, but the, the assumption is there's no, there is no objectivity. And so there's still an assumption, there's still an assumption that there can be something bad throughout and it's kind of like what how i felt with richard dawkins god delusion was that that whole phrase that's repeated in every apologetic apologetics group <laughs> a book that's ever written that the world is blind and pitiless indifference there's no objective morality yeah. Yeah, within yeah. that and then he goes and says that teaching your children about jesus is child abuse i thought we're, that was a blind pitiless indifference yeah. so how can we we're dancing to our DNA. How can we actually do otherwise? Yeah. So it's that kind of thing of here's, here's this extra view where we remove objectivity, but I'm still going to tell you that you're objectively wrong yeah, or at exactly. least subjectively wrong, but I'm going to tell you you're wrong as if it matters. Um, so yeah. that, that was kind of, yeah. That's, I mean, that's the borrowed capital. I mean, Tom Holland's quite good at pointing that out. Um, uh, I, I think is, is we're all, we're all um, using, terminology and, and and you know making um you know conclusions on on assumptions that are that our worldview doesn't necessarily support um you know so we're all we're all we all have these more intuitions and and, and assumptions about the world and 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 uh, and things and but we don't we, we don't we, we we've kind of given up the um you know the, the ground uh, so that the conclusions don't necessarily follow that's why someone like Dawkins and a lot of atheists I find often quite quite confusing because they're saying things that are true often um, but don't you know they they don't necessarily identify the kind of borrowed capital that they're that they're utilizing to come to those claims yeah um, yeah and what you find at least on on some of these threads recently is you point out that it's borrowed and generally the response is well your christianity has done x y z yeah that's immoral so therefore what you're saying is is false or or going into the old testament your god is immoral old testament yeah and and, and they're still using the borrowed, borrowed capital <laughs> to judge that yeah exactly like they're judge, judging what's going wrong but you with can, with that yeah you can go that's the the moral dilemma they have but they also have the reason like c.s lewis's argument from reason so they use reason that they, they rationality rules and um, this rules like it, all about being rational they're the rational ones but but reason like c.s lewis says why trust your brain if all it is is chemicals flying around he says why should i trust that what is truth there's nothing truth in that there's no reason in that it's just literally biochemicals telling you what to think and do Mm. And I like that quote when I first saw it from him. I, I, I think I don't know if it's in mere Christianity. I, I think I read it in there, but it makes sense. So that they're not only borrowing our sense of reason or objective morality, objective reason, objective meaning. That they're, they're incorporating it all into claim, and so they take what they like out of mm. what developed from Christianity—a sound base for reasoning, a sound scientific base. Yeah, I mean, Sounded some like. people will still give, you know, uh, a sort of evolutionary account of kind of reason, you know, because I guess some people, could, you could say that, you know, because a lot of people say, well, um, you know, the brain only developed, um, 
know survival so you know so we're you know we um not necessarily for truth you know our brains have developed for for us to survive you know you hear uh, a rustling in the bush and you know you're safest to to run away uh you know in case it's a tiger even if it might just be a chicken you know or something yeah. like that yeah, but yeah. you know uh, arguably you could also say well a lot of the time that those true are not are not um they're often contingent on each other so like um they often track one another so um you know if you hear uh, a rustling in the bush well actually it could be the it could be true that there is a tiger there uh, so they often they often they often track so it's not necessarily that they're they're mutually exclusive that that i don't I don't, I don't know. I'm not, I'm slightly skeptical of the, the thing about, you know, there couldn't be a, a, a kind of an evolutionary account of why, of sort of why we can trust reason. You know, I think yeah. if, given the, the length of time, um, you know, that, that people talk about, I don't see why truth can always can't, doesn't also track um, survival be, as well. And you think it would be objective truth outside, independent from our, well, I mean, it, it's or would it just be literally there's danger there. We can know that. It depends. I mean, if, if all by objective you mean that it corresponds to react to, to to reality, you know, truth is if you've got a kind of um, uh, depending on how, how you view truth, but if truth sort of two plus uh, two equals four, yeah, if truth sort of sort of corresponds to reality, then would you uh, say math, maths is discovered or invented? Well, I mean. We definitely, I, I, I don't know. This is one of those things, isn't it? Because it's one of those things that's sort of thrown around. Well, um, my experience is that I was taught it mm. uh, and it seems to, it corresponds to reality. So if I have four apples, you know, I've, there are four apples in front of me and one, you know, I count them, there are, there are four there. Uh, yeah. So that seems to, if I split them into two groups and I've got two out two, well, if those uh, those those terms correspond correspond to those things, then then it would it would seem to to be so object. What, what Ed Pfizer in one of his books says is there's universals, so like abstract objects, mathematics, um, uh, necessary worlds like purported worlds, uh, red objects like redness. So red is you'd get red on the ball, or you'll get red in a ribbon, or you'll get red here, and they exist. So, um, not just in our mind, they literally exist in a different, like a platonic form. So, yeah. so his whole argument is maths, everything. So first you had Plato with his ideals of forms, eventually leading to a God who's in control of our whole forms. Aristotle sort of changed it a bit. And then there was the scholastic views, which Thomas Aquinas, um, and which Ed Pfizer follows in. So, he thinks we reason because we have got obviously God's image, but we we can. The scholastic view is you've got abstract objects which apply to everyone. They're they're in a, a different form, so mathematics, redness, the shape of something, triangles. They would all exist if there was no human ever existed, but we've been given the capacity to know them, and through knowing our reaction uh, interaction with. A discovery of these it links up to reason to god hmm. kind of that that's his way and then there's normalism which basically denies that 
but his whole view is the only way you can technically have reason and his books like the last superstition and five proofs are really good is in a theistic worldview and to 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 um to only believe in nominalism and maths doesn't exist you're going to have problems you're going to have he thinks it's fundamentally true that abstract objects exist basically which it's weird I, though when people say you have problems because i don't know i don't does it does it present a problem can we not because we then you can who says two plus two is not just a construction of western so, ideals which is happening with critical theory which you had um neil, neil Shepherd, yeah it was really good in that which is going to happen because that's a natural progression kind of into that maybe yeah, but that that's only in force. You know, I'm not. I guess people could say that you, you know, making that sort of claim about it being Western. Uh, you know, but maths isn't Western. You know, you go back to you know, we wouldn't have the idea of zero without you know Indian mathematics and yeah. and China and, and and all sorts of things. So they're they're wrong in 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 the sense that they're they're uh, they they claim about history is false, not in the sense that. Um, but there are literally people pushing to get rid yeah, of but it, this it, colonize. But, but it's but yeah, but, <laughs> yeah. but it goes against common sense. So yeah, what you'll find, I mean, you get all sorts of of, of, of interesting theories that that um, you know in academia, and some will some will trickle trickle down. But most most people are you know have a have a deeply rooted common sense. Mm. You know, if you can you imagine going around Chingford yeah. or something like that and telling people that. Uh, that maths is a construct and two out of two actually isn't two. It's just because they're it's their Westerners. Yeah. You know, they they just think, why don't you try and mug me off, bruv? Like, it wouldn't, <laughs> it, 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 no, no, no one would, you wouldn't get taken seriously. So it's not, I, I don't, so in that sense, I'm just trying to think as like a normal person, it's not. Most people would, but, but it, they naturally know that. And it is interesting. Like you said, there, there are some arguments for normalism, but everything. Have you ever read any of Pfizer's books or anything like that? Yeah, I don't. I don't like reading him. Okay. I, I think he's a terrible writer. Okay. Uh, uh, I think he's a really good thinker, but he's a terrible writer. He reminds the only person who's worse is David Bentley Hart. Oh, I haven't read him, but I was. Uh, and he, everyone's he, telling me to read him. Amazing he's thinker. Such a genius. No, watch. Yeah, watch a video of him. Amazing thinker. He cannot write. Universalist, ain't he? Yeah, I, I, I watch. Good, I, mate. Yeah, <laughs> he's got a great book called The Atheist Position, <laughs> but it's so badly written it almost ruins it. Yeah. So um, I, I listened to that. All shall be saved, and it was okay. Like I could, I, I think it's kind of like Jordan Peterson's Twelve Rules for Life. I yeah. thought that was a really dry read, but listening to it I, was okay. Yeah. I prefer his YouTube. I've got the book Twelve Rules for Life, and I liked it at the time. But I, I do prefer his YouTube lectures. No, I think that's probably the same for David Bentley Hart. I haven't read any phases, so I can't speak into that. I'm, yeah. I'm I really like the five proofs. The last superstition I thought was a bit... I haven't read the last, his latest one, the last superstition. No, the read, last superstition I... was his first one. Yeah. That was in 2008. And his last one, um, Aristotle's Revenge, is supposed to be really good from what I've heard from people. But I really like him. I've, I've, the arguments seem to stick with me. And especially his uncaused mover, like the uh, contingency mm. one. That makes even more sense than the Kalam to me, kind of. Interesting. Yeah. You've got a couple of questions here. Um, with uh, 136 Apologetics, it said, you obviously love learning about theology and apologetics. Um, covered a lot of ground already. Um, any formal plans to do 
sorry, any plans to do formal theological study? He, he, my pastor was talking to me about that. It's never been in my mind, but I, I would like to one day, maybe. It's the same. It's, well, recently, it was never, it was only recently I've been thinking about it a bit. And, mm. Yeah, it'd be something that interests me, I suppose. And You've definitely got enough reading, <laughs> reading behind you to do it. Um, the other, the other question that's come in, and it's kind of going back to your story, and maybe it's a bigger topic we can we can discuss yeah. as well. But one of the biggest objections to Christianity is the problem of evil and violence in the Old Testament. Yeah. Um, pick one, basically, um, and then. Uh, who was this from? The programmer. This is the programmer. Just to oh, just drop in do. a nice. Give me the hardest questions that question. any Christian could ever have. So, uh, so <laughs> maybe what's maybe instead of it going down a rabbit trail, which will probably take most of the evening, because it is one of those conversations. Like, yeah, what what resources maybe, and, and what what would be your like starting point for responding to the problem of the problem of evil? Found satisfactory. So, have you read C.S. Lewis's book, The Problem of Pain? It's it's been on my list for years, but I've never quite got to that one. Have you? Yeah, yeah. I, I thought that was good. I think it, it answered questions initially for me. Um, it there's it's, there's no simple answers to a problem, me. But I think the harder thing is for me is an, animal suffering. I, I find mm. that a trickier objection. I, I feel like with with us, we, we we know we're here for a short duration, and if if we're right, and it, no matter how much we suffer. It, it's we're going to be in heaven eternally so it, there's always as long as we, we accept lord and savior jesus christ that and even that even accepting lord savior jesus christ my opinion on that's changed because I, I feel like people with uh like I, I, who am i saying no muslims no people in certain backgrounds have never heard that or even have heard that and have had a general revelation are not going to be in heaven i'm i'm much more open to I'm not going to say universalism, but um, some, an inclusivism uh, of some sort. We're going to be talking to that uh, a couple of weeks' time. We've got Richard Playford, a uh, philosopher friend of mine from um, St Mary's University. He's going to be talking about that. So okay, great. To, I'll be, be tuning in. Then. I'll be in the comments somewhere. Me and the programmer. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> Having a little fight. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> in terms of the problem of evil, I think Christianity of any worldview is the best answer. It's literally God took on human flesh and, and came and died for us and get shared in the suffering. I think the atonement, God's incarnation done three things. It, he, he shared in his suffering, but he, he saved us. He took on our sins so we could be up, brought up to him, the theosis. And what's the third one? Hmm. Yeah, 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 sorry, I can't, <laughs> I've got two. But it, got three, he, it, it makes the, the problem of evil not go away. And it's not like the problem of evil is answered just because God suffered, but it, it just shows God isn't abandoning us. He's, he's not deism. He's not just set everything in motion, which certain philosophical um, like Ephesian and their Maristilian arguments can get you to not just theism, deism as well. And there's things that it's just the, the draw between that and that. And Christianity by far to me, it's the only thing really explains the problem of evil. And also, also the problem, everyone's got a problem of evil. Of course. Doesn't it? Like, it's not just Christians that, 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 that the problem of evil is a, is a problem. I mean, maybe, uh, well, in a way more so, and in I another so. way less so. So I think in, in the way that it's more so is that, well, as a sort of philosophical case, well, 
if if God is all good, why is there why is yeah. there suffering? But on the existential kind of sense, you know, um, you still have to deal with this, you know why is you know, life you know why is life such full of, full of suffering you know why does it suck why does, why does it suck so much you know why did why did this happen yeah. um and that that's a problem for for everyone uh, and uh it has to explain it has to be explained some somehow uh and some of those um explanations are more satisfying than others and not that an unsatisfying answer can't be true because it could just be the case that yeah um yeah naturalism is is true um suffering just sucks uh it's part of uh, the natural <laughs> order and and that is deeply deeply unsatisfying but it could also be true if naturalism yeah. is true yeah, yeah. um so i'm not saying that because uh the christian answer is more satisfying that that necessarily makes Absolutely. it true i think christians always have to be very careful about how they communicate that is that mm. that, that it's both satisfying um but and true but it doesn't it's not necessarily true because it's satisfying and and it's not it's not even that satisfying in many ways like it is it's more satisfying than naturalism but there's 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 other ways that actually you know it it, it you know i'd rather there not be suffering i'd it rather children like a yeah. yeah i mean i heard I, I was listening to um i was talking to my wife about this a couple, couple uh, yesterday the day before about i was listening to tom holland on, on, on a podcast and he was he was talking about suffering and talking about how uh, when he went over to Syria, uh, he met a guy in one of the camps there uh, who had been he'd been away when ISIS had been to his village, um, and they had uh, kidnapped his his wife and kept her as a sex slave. They had taken his two young daughters and they'd been sold sold as slaves uh, and probably yeah regularly raped by ISIS members. And then his two sons were. Um, would basically become ISIS fighters who would grow up to to hate him and want him dead. Mm. Uh, he managed to buy his wife back from slavery by some sort of intermediaries, uh, but she was shot in the head and had brain damage. Mm. Um, and that life, um, I mean, that 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 suffering to me is just uh horrific there's no other way to explain that yeah and 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 that still happens does it make um you know so this is why i, I don't want to make that this question too easy because it's hard i mean that that life is horrendous i don't know what kind of life that yeah, is yeah. absolutely um yeah. but all you know that's still being the case um you know you, you so it just makes the force of the argument i think when we talk about that kind of suffering you know it's 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 satisfying but it's 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 still not wholly satisfying absolutely, when... absolutely. It's, it's by far the biggest problem for christianity is the hardest challenge and it is i'm sure there's plenty of books i'm going to try and read on it but um and mm. listen to people but like you said that that scenario is how can we in our finite minds understand that and comprehend that and we just have to trust in that sense in certain ways as well and but it, like you said, it doesn't make it anything easier being an atheist. Mm. Nowhere near. <laughs> yeah. No. Oh, no Nowhere I near. There's there's no. Yeah. Yeah, I, th I think you're right to to make it that like in response to the problem of you, it's not a, a flippant. We like Jesus, and he's he's saving the day in the end. Yeah. But it's, uh, I'm for me over the last couple of years for various reasons digging into this 
personally it's it's also about the fact that the bible is very real about mm. about suffering mm. you've got psalms that end with darkness being my old, my my closest friend like yeah. you've got repeated like how long how long oh lord are you going to leave us in this you've got the whole book of lamentations and I, I honestly think that and it's been said on quite a few articles recently over the pandemic is that christians are terrible at lamenting Mm. and mourning and grieving and we've got this idea of joy being that i've just got to be happy despite everything around me feeling mm. like crap and so yeah the, the the problem of evil is very much something that the christian has to recognize and i think actually in the west particularly church is so middle class that mm. we don't know what suffering is yeah absolutely. so su suddenly we're not allowed to meet on a sunday oh we're suffering oh the mm. government's telling us to wear masks oh we're being persecuted yeah. like it's we, we don't we don't get pain and 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 there's people that are distancing themselves from the church because their mental health <laughs> at yeah. this point is is actually putting them in a position where they can't be joyful they know god is mm. they, they trust in god they know that he's there but going into church where everyone's like oh it's going to be okay like every, everything's okay it, it feels inhuman that's it what is. i think as christians yeah. i think people see it is it's like uh you know oh well you know my mum died yesterday but praise the god lord is, god is good you know, god is good praise the lord no <laughs> no 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 god is good but lament yeah you know like yeah. can i like the, the, the thing you know i have to deal with my own sort of my issues with my you know emotion and mental health and things like that but mm. jesus jesus wept like his friend died Mm. and Lazarus died and he wept mm. it's okay to, to cry and to be angry at you know at, at suffering and, and, and death and things like that and we're really like you said Phil we're rubbish at it yeah um rather than just sort of try things that seem weird it seems abnormal it seems inhuman to just sort of be like oh well praise the lord you know take um, us away to heaven and yeah, yeah. Uh, and and there's yeah there is a time and place for that but that, that to, to people who aren't christians this or it must strike i mean it strikes me as odd mm. uh let alone you know people who are not christians think well that's just there's a sense in which we have a hope that people do not so i'm not trying to undermine the fact we have a, a hope that can't be taken away and and death is definitely viewed different from the christian worldview but also we're still normal human beings with emotions and uh, the normal range of emotions, you know, and I, and I think actually it, it, it might be, you know, part of what makes the Christian view so satisfying is that it, you can make sense of the, like lamenting. It's okay to, to do those mm. things. And that they also make sense. It's not just uh, constant smiles and, mm. and uh, clapping and dancing. I think that, yeah. that, I guess it's reclaiming what joy really is. It's it's the contentedness in God, despite the tears and the pain and the the, the struggle. And you see that 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 is the Psalms. Uh, that is the lament. Is there is this God we can cry out to and be angry with, maybe even angry at, <laughs> and um, and He's in there with us. And and yeah, we we see Him when He came amongst it he wept too and and i think even the taunt at, at the end of 1 corinthians 15 you know, death where's your sting that's at this point in time that's a that's a th taunt through 
gritted teeth because <laughs> death still has that sting but then there, there we have that hope that one day death will be no more so we we have that now and not yet we we pray that kingdom come we have hope that we can have glimpses of l less pain but yeah m when you hear stuff that's happening in syria you hear stuff that's happening Yemen, yeah. anywhere, yeah, anywhere. Yeah, anyway, just... you can find any sordid details of suffering <laughs> anywhere you like, and that's that's the re reclaiming how messy this world is, but how good God is um, at the same time is quite. It, it it ties back slightly off uh, evil, but you were you were talking about how um, Dean about how you you know listen to people like TD Jakes and 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 mm. things like that, and um, yeah, when I first became a Christian, I I, I the first church I went to was a uh, African Pentecostal church um, yeah. that was started by Nigerian mi mi uh, missionaries, and um, you know so it was that's Kenneth Co Kenneth Copeland, um, T D Jakes, John Bevere, you know those types of people, and they are, um, yeah. So yeah, actually, you know, I was going to make a point about that, but I'm, I'm not going to go down that way because it's no, not as relevant. Yeah, man, you got to cut. It was hanging no. like that. <laughs> What's going? <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting for the. Was that you can't slag them off or what's going? No, on? no, no, no. I just no. There's, 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 I don't, I don't necessarily. I don't need to. I don't need to be as disparaging as what I had in my head. Well, well maybe let's go that way. Like, because so, you're obviously going through stuff at that time. And they're, they're the Christians that you connected with. How how did that kind of positive well, thinking well, aspect? How did that help? Did that it? was more like I said. That was more pre being a Christian. It was right. more so that was like TD Jakes, and it was like when I was seventeen, when I was kind of a Christian, and then just before when I was going through the positive thinking thing. Mm. That was they were people you see on YouTube constantly, like motivational videos, and you hear TD Jakes, and he's motivational. Um, yeah. I give him his credit in that. But since I've been a Christian, I don't really watch like any sermons of him. Definitely not Joe Austin or anything like that. So, mm. they're, so yeah. they're, help, they're helpful in ways because I think <laughs> like, I think we we actually have a, uh, a quite a similar story in many ways. When and, did you uh, become a Christian? Sorry, Dan. So when I was twenty, so it was quite a while ago now. Um, Old man. Yeah. <laughs> so those kind of people are quite yeah. helpful. I found them helpful to a certain point in the sense that i was someone who had no desire or drive to do anything other than um just do what i wanted uh and being lazy really um and not work and just sort of get by with doing the bare minimum really and and those what, what i did take positively from those types of people was and and being in a church environment that was um, kind of heavily lent well it was basically sort of prosperity sort of gospel stuff yeah. and that and I, that always made me uncomfortable and was the reason I you know I ended up leaving as I read sort of more of the bible but what I did take from that was like a a sense of sort of betterment as like God ha, you know God has an interest in like he was like wants you to do better doesn't want you being yeah. lazy <laughs> you know and that yeah doesn't want you um you know that you know you could better yourself you know you can um you can kind of you can you can yeah you know, part of that sort of being transformed from the inside out but also you know um for your sort of earthly success and things like that so i definitely took benefits from from those uh, positives from those kinds of people um, right, yes. obviously there's negative stuff as as well i think mm.
mine was very similar to what you said. It was like yeah. positive times and it was getting yeah. my mind in the right place when I was mid-20s and giving me something to aim at. And like you said, getting myself in the gym, get myself going. Motivation, really. And they are good at positive motivation. That's their mm. thing. But they're not good, like, I wouldn't say they don't know the Bible too well, apart from the few positive verses here and there, mm. which they quote the same ones. Joel yeah. Steen, especially. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. a really short gospel he's got. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is. It's, it's very one sided. And if it doesn't go well for you, I'll just spend more money. Yeah. Yeah. On him. But yeah, but it, is, <laughs> it, it is interesting because I think when you, it, 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 it seems to be like quite a, like a, the working class way into Christianity is often through those avenues, the sort of yeah. Pentecostal routes. And I think that's often because working class people tend to feel quite, uh disenfranchised and powerless is that it's the thing about what what pentecostalism and charismatic sort of christianity does so much is it is it you're very very aware that you matter because you don't usually feel like you matter to anyone really like you don't uh, and actually being told that you know sort of god of the universe loves you and chose you and and uh you know came down to suffer and die for you and forgive you does give you a sense actually oh gosh i, I matter to god like god's chosen me to do something for him and so it does it does equip you sort of like um you know that sense of which I, you know for people who feel disenfranchised people who feel like they don't matter it makes you feel like you matter yeah absolutely. Uh, and i think that's what's so powerful about um about that um that you like me have not got stuck in no in, no no definitely in, not in, in, in i'm now into nt right books and <laughs> yeah. the, the deeper stuff but yeah because they're often quite a lot of those churches can often be like sort of maybe it's a bit of a generalization but sort of pentecostal churches are often um you know you're very you always hear things oh you don't want to study theology or you know you don't want to read those kinds of books and stuff like that or quite anti-asking questions and thing things like that in a in a, in a way um, yeah that's uh, i wouldn't like that or my whole thing is if someone's trying to stop me reading something it would make me want to read it more i, I just want to ask questions and know and whatever the truth is and yeah um yeah. i haven't mentioned like how i started london theist the twitter yeah because that, that's fairly recent isn't it yeah I, I as i said i was i got baptized september and then i was reading books and growing and i was watching a lot of like um apologetics on youtube and i got into like capturing christianity do you guys know that mm-hmm yeah. And um, yeah, he, he, he's really good. I guess he gets on a really good, really smart yeah. Christians, atheists, everything. Um, Braxton Hunter, Trinity Radio as well. Yeah, I like Braxton. And inspiring philosophy. And I was watching a lot of videos like that. And then I I had a Twitter account, but it was just my name. And I didn't really, I started following them. And I thought, you know what, just create like a Christian one. I only follow apologetics and some atheists and just, just learn and grow. You're quite interested in apologetics now because I was watching that from September to about. I think I started tweeting about March. So yeah. it's quite a long period of me just on the sidelines watching and trying to learn. And then, yeah, so I just started the thing. I saw a picture I liked, my logo, the little cross with the sky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then just, I, I tried to think of a name. And I, I thought London something goes, I'm from London. I'm proud London. <laughs> and then <laughs> yeah. I thought London Christian doesn't have a ring to it. So I just called London Fierce. And it's stuck and people seem to like it. So <laughs> So you got, I, yeah, you got over a thousand followers. So you, you... Uh, that's a milestone I reached a little while ago. So I was happy, and, and I, I announced it by saying I'll be on the show with you guys. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's my reward. I've made the big. Time. <laughs> okay, you made it on the live stream. Yeah, um, I'm not sure if we're big time yet, but it's good to have you on. <laughs> I, 
I was listening to your guests, Justin Riley, Cy Garton, Andy Kinder. Exactly. And London Theist. No one there. London Theist. We just got good connections. Yeah, it's all good connections. Yeah, so I started in February, sorry, about March time, I think. And yeah, I was just chatting away. I was following people. And then I saw this guy named Phil, like the Hell Project fella. <laughs> and that, no, yeah, and Glenn I saw you commenting on a few things. And, and I think we both were commenting against an atheist at one time. Because at the start, I was really getting quite wild up and I was jumping into atheist conversations and really letting it affect me and trying to argue he can't say that about God. He, he, he doesn't know this. And as you do, so I got, I got a bit of will and I noticed Phil was arguing a bit. And then I saw he had a channel. And hell was something in my mind. Like I said, I hadn't read anything about it. I just took the C.S. Lewis traditional view. I read a bit of C.S. Lewis and it made sense to me, but I still thought, well, it's a bit, it, it torment for eternity. Well, that's, that's that's quite challenging, actually. And then I'd see atheists writing it on Twitter. And I was thinking, you know what, that is a bit, so your finite sins have got your, that. And I could hear William Lane Craig defending it as well. And I could get what he was saying, but he was still struggling with me. I, it, it just didn't make full sense. And I saw you have a guest of, I can't remember his name, he had 10, 10 points for yeah, a while. Michael, Michael Pierce. Michael Pierce. And I really liked it. I've, I've, I've watched it again recently, actually, and I noticed I was in it asking questions. So yeah, I remember, yeah. oh, yeah, I was actually typing to you because that was at the, I saw you and then I saw it. I think that was the first one I saw. And then I watched back a few of your other videos. And then, so you got me into like conditionalism a bit. And I was looking more into it. And John Stott, um, he spoke on. Yeah, in the past, and I had his. I've got his books right across the Christ, great book. which is not about hell, but that was a brilliant book anyway. I really enjoyed that. I don't know if you've read that, or... yeah, I've read that one, it's good, yeah. And yeah, so there was you, there was a few others like Inspiring Christianity. I spoke to a bit, uh, Jansen. There, there's loads of guys I started talking to, and I've grown up. I've just been it's, it's been really educational, really. I've got I've learned about new books, like like I said, um, Ed Fires and things like that, David Bentley Hart. I've, I've heard of now mm. and been watching some of his stuff. I've heard of Graham Opie and Top Atheist as well. So I'm not just thinking Dawkins is the man and the one we got challenged, but really he's he's not because yeah. that wave is long gone. Which is kind of your your most recent couple of tweets. Yeah. I'll, we'll probably come back to the health thing because there's a question in the in the dive chat about it. But the um your last couple of tweets, I mean you, you basically said uh new atheism new atheism is dead. Have you got the memo? With a good gift to go on, your gift, your gift game is. Uh, it was Morgan Freeman saying, "Have you got the memo?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just thought of that today. I was just thinking because there are really good atheists. I follow um, Real Way Theology and Secular Outpost, just to name a couple. They're really good guys, and they they both seem to think that theism is a defensible position. They like Richard Swinburne, and they say con the argument for consciousness is very strong towards mm -hmm. theism. And they give certain things like that, but they think it's outweighed by the problem of evil, divine hiddenness, etc. And I think that's a, a fair point which you can stand on. Though that yeah. I've never wrote all atheists just you're, you're crazy. Though there's all the proof is no that you, you can balance it up. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, things like religious experience balance it as well as arguments from consciousness, beginnings like cosmology arguments and things like that. Um, so there, there'd be like the strongest sort of arguments I'd think for theism. But I'd, I'd, ne I'd never downplay or atheist anyway. Mm. But yeah, um, new atheism is something I've always had a problem with. I, I, even as agnostic, I just don't get, like Dan was saying earlier, religion's really great at showing the meaning. Like, even if it is, isn't true, it can it expresses certain things. 
which is harder to express just from a purely scientific outlook on life. So even if you're an, if atheism's true and you're an atheist, you you should respect certain things that have shaped the, our culture, like the cross of Christ, the most the uh, the biggest symbol on earth, the most authentic the, the way Christianity shaped it, like uh, Tom Allen says in Dominion. And you don't just have to look at Christianity; certain other religions have shaped the world as well. And it, it just seems like such a narrow bigoted kind of view the way they I think they pushed it too far Dawkins mm. Harris and they were too anti-religion and I've never liked that and a lot load of people on Twitter are still like that like the majority I've found ever since I've been on are mm. very much in that mindset religions are poison child abuse teach uh, you just mm. there's every quip you can imagine and none of it's really helpful and not, none of it's really serious or none of it would knock my faith or anything like that it's just silly quips really and atheist republic people like that just make a living off it so this <laughs> republic is quite painful so yeah. just just on a couple of points that um yeah. come up from from one of your tweets and actually on our most recent short convo with um Saigart, yeah just some some atheist comments on there like i'd just be interested in your your opinion on this as well dan the the most common things to be dropped is like just give me one piece of evidence that yeah. your God exists. Um, well, let's, let's, let's ask that question. What, what, what is your response? If someone, for, for me, I struggle with the question because genuinely I've heard that so much. It is like a red flag to me. They don't. Because I, 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 it generally suggests a, uh, a position you've already made up that there isn't one, no matter what I do. But what, if someone came to you and said, give me one piece of evidence and they, they're genuine sort of friendship, what, what kind of response would you give them? Me or Dan? Go on, D Dean, you start and Dan can jump in. <laughs> yeah, an argument, of, but I, I think like you, I think most 90% of it, they're just saying you've got no evidence and whatever you say, you can say consciousness and you can lay out like it's more ideal on this form. You can just do a simple probabilistic point x equals this x y equals that kind of thing and say if you on naturalism it's very improbable improbable that consciousness will arrive but on a theistic worldview when you've already got a mind thing and this is saying real atheology and particular outposts have actually posted in the past so that there are atheists who know this and literally put this forward as an argument and other atheists attack them then and i've seen it and i thought consciousness is a good idea because there's no simple naturalistic explanation for that at all um, I've even heard like those people like Daniel Dennett, who basically denies there's even a problem of consciousness and things like that. So that they have to go around it that way. So you can mention consciousness that that's something which they can, they know is a struggle scientifically. Mm. You can mention, uh, the Kalam cosmological argument, but there's so many atheists who have just trained to attack that specific argument because they probably heard Christian apologists and defenders yeah. constantly say it. So what they tend to do now, they do what Dillahunty does. They they don't even argue the points. They accept all the points and say, "Well, you still haven't got God." Yeah. The universe had. A I, saw, I saw saw Dillahunty doing that with uh, Kalam yeah. the other day. Yeah. He does it, and now they all do that. And mm. so they've been doing that for a while. And Dillahunty's like master doing that. Well, you've just got a cause. So what 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 is this cause? And 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 then as Braxton said in videos, well, you can sort of determine from the cause that is timeless, is spaceless, it's not part, of, it's not matter. It's, mm. it's not, it has to be something different external from that. 
and yeah. it has to be very extremely powerful to create that the extremely great knowledge to get the fine tuning like that so mm -hmm. th there are things but it's not if you just look at the three-point syllogism it doesn't technically say like matt dillon says where does it say god in that yeah. where does it say so god exists so it's going to build off of, isn't it? That's that's the thing. And that, that, yeah. that was Braxton Hunter pointed out really well. Yeah, so you, yeah. You'd, you'd personally lean towards those sort of arguments. Dan, where, where would you go with it? Uh, I don't know. I want to, it depends where it is. I mean, if it was Twitter, I just, I don't, I only use Twitter for work. I don't post anything on there really like this anymore. Um, it's just, it's probably yeah. best to stay off it, to be honest. I just wasted too much time to, it just, it just <laughs> makes, it's just, <laughs> It just lends it just lends itself to uh, to unhelpful discussion. But if I was like chatting with someone who was asking that, I'd be like, "Well, um, what 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 kind of evidence would you uh, would you would you accept?" Like if I if if we if I if we looked out the, the back door and we looked up in the sky and it said, um, "You know, God exists," I said, "Would that would that be enough evidence to to?" To, to remove you know to move you from atheism to theism um and i'd listen to what they said you know if they said well yeah you know depending on that i kind of move forward from that um other th other things as well um you could talk about um i i, I try and move someone to away from necessarily from the evidence but about is get people to identify like you're kind of like you were saying dean like people like um uh, secular outposts and things like that. I think it's Jay, I can't remember who that is, who runs that account, uh, website. Um, try and get people to think like, can can theism be rational? Yeah. I think that's a good place to go, to move away. No, I'm not trying to skirt around whether there's evidence or not, but I don't think, I think people, I'm not, it, it's things a lot of atheists say, but I'm not sure necessarily they understand what that means, but they could, you know, they, I think they often mean proof. They don't mean evidence. Uh, yeah. And I think there's there's a lot of misunderstanding, especially on Twitter, between proof and and, and, and evidence. Never they're very different. Um, but I, I would just try and get them to a point where they could see that, like you were saying about looking at Kalam, uh, looking at fine tuning, looking at the moral argument, um, uh, resurrection, just just general proofs of God. You can kind of show, well, look, this that you theism is rational, and and, and most sensible atheists like. You know, people like you said, like Graham Oppie, Paul Draper, like leading philosophers of religion yeah. who are also atheists, will say that theism is rational. Like it, it's it's not it's not you know clever atheists mm. and dumb hick Christians. Is it not? Yeah. Oh man! But but, but 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 you get both. You get atheists, you know, who don't present great great uh, you know arguments and you know against. You get Christians who don't present great arguments, or don't. You, in mm. fact, as a Christian, you don't even have to have. You don't. You don't no. have to. You don't have to have arguments. Like if Christ has, if God has revealed Himself to you, uh, you know, you're convicted by the Holy Spirit. That's that's enough. Reformed, but, reformed epistemology, like Plans, <coughs> Alvin Plans. Yeah, Plans, yeah, yeah. Randall Riles, they they say you don't. It's a warranted belief. It's yeah, and I would, I would 100% agree. I would agree with that. But, yeah. but, but yeah, that's what I try and do. But again, you can't do this on Twitter. But I would try and get people to the point where they can see, then they can at least admit that Christianity is it's rational. It can be rational to be a theist. And I think that's probably a much more helpful place to be rather than debating about evidence and proof and, and things like that. Not that those things are not important, but I think in a, a you know, chatting with someone who's genuinely interested in truth and is not just there to score points on Twitter, uh, I think... 
uh, getting to the point, I think that was helpful in my journey. I imagine very much in yours as well is seeing that that theism is not, um, uh, you know, a belief that you know one can only hold uh, if you sort of check your brain at the door of the church and things mm. like that. No, like I couldn't. Yeah, exactly. yeah. it's yeah. rational. I don't want to. I don't want to believe anything that I think is untrue or yeah. I know to be untrue. Um, you can't. I don't even know if you can believe. Yeah, not at least not untrue. Right. And it's it's that certainty aspect. I think Braxton Hunter actually did a helpful video on this is the idea of having this 100% proof certainty that something is true before I can believe it. And I think that's such that is an unhelpful way to view it. And I think that's what what's certain of anything no. other than I'm conscious now you can't even be yeah. certain you exist and I'm talking to you. You, no. you can be pretty certain like very, very certain, but you can't be 100% certain of that. Yeah. So, and you're always doubting, uh, doubting. And I, I, what I like, so I mean, I, I'd probably maybe two years ago be very much along like the lines of, yeah, I'll go down the route of Kalam, um, looking at that consciousness, moral, moral was a big one for me, even the problem of evil, because I think that's actually a fairly big thing. Like, why, why should I care about animal suffering, about any kind of suffering, if I'm, if I'm an atheist of any kind, whether it's a new atheist, whether it's an atheist who lacks belief, or whatever definition of atheist you want to use. I, I would probably have headed there, but I think more now than ever, I'm actually pushing more towards what the, the evidence within the Bible itself and, and Jesus and the resurrection. And I know many people would respond, oh, it's, you're proving the Bible with the Bible, but just how real the Bible is with people's responses to Jesus all the way through the gospels. They have these amazing signs, radical signs, radical healings. And most of them don't even get it. <laughs> they don't, they don't go, Oh, thank you. Some of them say thank you and leave. And some of them are just like, it's very clear. They didn't believe. So why atheists expect this sudden proof to really win them over just seems like, a um, just ignoring human i like we we look at patterns and we we think what we want to think um it's very it is hard to transition either way but that applies both directions it applies for the christian moving to the atheist camp and it also applies the other way and i i think there's good evidence to trust that jesus existed and there's a better explanation for why the christian church started so that's kind of where i would head and I, I don't know, maybe a mix of the two, because I did try the whole consciousness thing on the YouTube debate. But again, it's but you still haven't given me one piece of evidence. So it didn't go anywhere. And that's generally how it goes on the Internet. But I don't I, I agree with you completely on that and the resurrection. And uh, and this is I find it really strong argument. The resurrection, I think it, there's no naturalistic. Uh, there are actually like hallucination theory, swim theory, things like that. But they just don't seem to make any sense whatsoever. Mm. And and they would just say well that's, they're all better than that because they don't evolve a supernatural aspect so anything's more likely but then you're just ruling out god from the offset if you're going to look at it where there's definitely no god then of course that didn't happen but so you kind of have to ground them i see like you have to ground them with a little prior background knowledge of theism even if they don't accept it fully but just that so there's a possibility on the table and then go through the resurrection case and like you said the bible using the bible that's a terrible objection because that we've got four gospels any historian would notice you've got four different testimonies yeah they might be used like 
Mark was it Matthew Luke used Mark a little bit and th things like that in the synoptics. But you've got four different historical things of one guy at this time. It's, you use it as that. You can just use it like Mike Lacona and that and Gary Hammonds. This is it. This is a historical document. We're not, oh, because the Bible says so. It must be true. Isn't yeah. it? It's, nobody does that. Well, some, yeah. some Christians no, don't do that. But yeah. If you're in a genuine, I've never said that and I can't imagine you ever saying that. Yeah, well, it just shows them their understanding what the Bible is more yeah. than more than the argument. Yeah. Danny, you look like you were going to say something, but you just... No, wondering. no, no, I'm just, I'm just chill, just listening. Just chill. Yeah. So the, um, the question that came up, and this, this, so for those who don't know, because actually there's quite a lot, I think there's quite a lot of people who, who listen to this that actually aren't aware of my other channel. Although Glenn Scrivener did call me the, the hell project or the hell guy, I think in one, in that one. But, um, so I've looked into hell quite a lot, um, as in this topic, I haven't actually had a vision just to make that clear because you never know on Twitter, uh, and YouTube. So the question is, um, where, where, where are you on this London theist? And we can have a little bit of a conversation on that. Cause actually it's Dan's fault that I started the hell project anyway. I'm often um, the cause for yeah, for a lot of things. <laughs> so I'm playing Dan. Um, yeah. But where, where where are you on that? I'm strongly in your camp, like the conditionalist and conditionalist camp. Sorry, give me a sec. This makes me right. over there. No worries. So uh, while while he's there, um, I started writing on it after I was at your house, Dan. I think. No, we were at the. Was it at the zoo, Marwell? Wasn't it at Marwell Zoo? Oh, maybe, maybe it was at Marwell. But you gave me rethinking hell the book, and I think yes, I, yeah, I, um, yeah, I, I did is. call you a heretic at one point because um, I, I saw rethinking hell and I thought, well, what's this? I'm sure, <laughs> I correct. I'm sure I corrected you and would have said at the worst, yeah. I'm heterodox. <laughs> yeah, I think you, you, did. Don't, you don't understand yeah. what. Yeah, so well, I, I, I wasn't saw... running away from the hell question. I'm, no, I'm here now to okay. face your grilling. <laughs> <laughs> I was just saying that, that I called Dan a, a heretic. He corrected me saying he's heterodox. And I, I said, um, what's this book, Rethinking Hell? And um, that that's basically it. He told me to to check out what John 316's perish meant. And yeah. a couple of years down the line, I'm writing a 35-page essay for a <laughs> leadership and theology um course that i was on um which can now be found at the hellproject.online if you really want to read it um but then it was just f for me it was just one of these paradigm shifts in my christian walk because of the kind of a revelation i guess mm -hmm. that we're not we're not going to heaven or hell but we're looking for new creation and what does that entail and then once you've started really delving into what new creation looks like and we have a God that sustains all things, holds all things together. He's going to make everything new and be in all things. That leaves two options. By being in all things, everything that has been all is the universalist view. That means that everything in the new really creation new. may be made new and will eventually come to his knowledge, knowledge of him. Or there's an aspect of complete cut-off destruction and all that is still in existence will be made will be in the new creation so it doesn't leave much for another realm called hell um where people will be in pain in agony in torment whatever you want to use as the phrase but torment generally implies pain 
when there's a clear verse at the end of things that says there'll be no more pain <laughs> or mourning. Yeah. So that that's kind of a summary for those who are listening. That's kind of where my, my journey on that and why I've been called the hell guy twice <laughs> on this channel. Cause it's kind of that because it's been a paradigm shift. That's kind of why I started that channel. But so why, why was that convincing to you? Um, I think, like I said, I was struggling with the question. In, in, I'd heard Craig and uh, C.S. Lewis, and and it made sense kind of intellectually on a rational but not a spiritual, like emotional level, and it, it, it was just playing on my mind quite a bit. And then it was from you and the, the shows watching with things like that and certain the exegesis of the words and different words like what hell actually means, like Hades and Hannah and things like that. And it, it, it just, I'd never heard any of this before. Of course, I'm... I say I'm quite new to Christianity about a year and that. And it was just open my eyes, really. And I thought, whoa, this is this this is a condi- conditionalism. And it, it just and also at the same time I was reading, I was well just finished NT Wright's book, and NT Wright's quite big on that whole new creation. Mm. Like um exactly what you said there. That it, it's it's not like some Christians have this idea like it's a bad world now. God, this is this is bad, it's so simple, and it, we've got to get our souls and get our souls into heaven and be on the clouds and that's the end of everything. No, it's uh, physical world's good, material world's good. The soul's going to be with the body, and it's 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 good. It's, it, we might have a temporary space, but this is up for debate. Of course, we're where when we die, do our souls go and rest mm-hmm. there, or we still somewhere else? Like, or what what happens then in between the intermittent stage and the final judgment? Yeah. But I see it as and it right really helped me with that, and it was yeah, and that was all playing about the new heaven and the new earth. And what you, what I was watching from you, and what you just said then, what? So where is this hell? This, everything's been renewed. God is, God is being the central being. There can't be hell. God would still be there. There's nowhere God's created. So it's God in hell technically, and mm. contradictions kind of things you're going to get. Whereas if it is complete annihilationism or universalism, you're not going to have. It's just the essence of God has just renewed everything, and that theologically uh philosophy it all just makes sense to me and as long as you're not lying to me about the bible version I'm doing my best not to i do think yeah but no just just something about millstones that keeps me humble (laughs) john 3 16 is the most quoted bible verse imaginable and it says perish like it literally says it in it yeah and you don't even i didn't put that straight together that means I'm thinking that they're perishing to eternal suffering. Or whatever. It's yeah. not really the same. No. And it's, but, a, it's, a, it's a funny thing that we do do trains that. I mean, Dan, what, what, you got me into this. So it's your fault. But what, what got you into it? What was your... Where, where do you start with questioning the traditional idea of eternal torment? Uh, I listened to uh, Glenn Peoples' podcast, um, the Beretta cast, I think it was, might have been called something before then. And he, uh, first few episodes, I think he was talking about the soul and about making the case for annihilationism. And it's not a view I'd come across before, uh, other than something that was held by Jehovah's Witnesses, um, which obviously was off putting uh, psychologically. You're like, well, you know, well, the JW, JWs are wrong about a lot of stuff. So they're probably wrong, wrong about that, uh, their culty beliefs. Uh, so I wasn't sort of psychologically primed to kind of accept it. I didn't, I was, I was so happy, but I was sort of like you, Dean, was sort of 
intellectually satisfied with you know a lewis like um you know account of of hell and things like that you know separation eternal separation and uh, yeah you kind of find i think a lot of christian find ways to um to justify and understand it without using the bible and i think the thing that i really appreciate about conditionism uh, and the case glenn was making for it is it it it, it made me look at the bible uh with 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 trying to separate some of the assumptions sort of augustinian assumptions and greek assumptions about the soul that are not in the bible mm-hmm. so i think once you remove those uh false assumptions uh about uh you know uh from sort of greek philosophy about you know the the body being this sort of prism for the soul and 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 uh and, and that, that's not a sort of hebrew uh, account of the of of um you know sort of human anthropology and things like that so um once i once i kind of got rid of those assumptions started looking at things like john 3 16 you know it's quite dichotomous it's eternal life and perish you know so um mm-hmm. if we're understand if we're on to understand um you know sort of eternal conscious torment then uh, i'm not sure how that fits in with perish when we look at what perish means uh, how we use it and how it's used throughout new testament uh it seems like you would have two kinds of eternal life but uh sort of eternal life and eternal death but with no end so um it's very confusing it just and then i just think like like you feel you just look at different scriptures and you think and, and that's why it, tend, it, it tends to be an exegete view like if you if you approach the bible as an exegete um it, it, it's the most well supported uh, view in the Bible, but it's just occur, a, eternal conscious t- torment really hinges on one or two verses in Revelation. the most, <laughs> you know, Symbolic. challenging, um, um, you know, book in the book in the New Testament, in the book in the Bible, really, in terms of it's how to understand it and it's figurative and and uh, um, prophetic and, and these. So it, it's for me to hinge over the view of hell on some contentious verses in you know one or two verses in revelation it's just um just not a very strong case to me uh as someone who sort of values you know scripture and things and and trying to interpret it correctly i think that's where where i'm at with um david bentley hart's book he clearly has a different view of scripture than me Mm. to get to universalism so generally the, the case for universalism is weighed on new creation the scandal of grace and uh focusing very like directly on wherever the word all (laughs) turns up in scripture even if there's a condition to that all in like verses around it so it's those three aspects of universalism and so if you if you're if you hold to a view of the bible that's less authoritative not that it's not that he, he clearly takes the bible seriously but he's a little bit more flexible on where the authority comes from. Um, he he then is able to to shift from, and even the phrase like eternal punishment. That that phrase has to be dealt with, and has uh, that that's the same with eternal destruction. Now, eternal destruction is easier, generally, because you're destroyed eternally. That generally makes sense, although people read read into that. But eternal punishment, we've been so trained especially in the West to read that as ongoing yeah. eternal. Um, 
ongoing punishing. We've somehow made punishment mean punishing. Yeah. And then, so then when you say, well, capital punishment is a punishment that has a, there's an ongoing aspect in it in that you are no, no longer living. <laughs> Forever. Forever. <laughs> and that's what eternal punishment is. It's an eternal capital punishment. And, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I get called her- heretic fairly frequently on my Hell Project page. And, oh, on, on, and on, yeah, on Twitter. Um, Same it. Yeah. So it's, which is, which I, and that's why I relish telling people is like, even if, even if uh, you're wrong, you're still only heterodox, not, not a heretic. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, there's a secondary <laughs> issue. So yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's kind of where, where I'm at on it. And I've, I've read a bunch of books now. And if anyone wants to talk about hell, they, they can go onto the hell project. And that's kind of a weird thing to be um, specialist in, <laughs> I guess. It's, it's a bit odd. I do find myself like, how did I get here? <laughs> But yeah, blame me. I, I didn't yeah. want to take it on. I was just I was just satisfied <laughs> was with dropping bombs in conversations yeah. like that. Yeah, before about this, and then but, letting someone else like yeah. you. I'm glad that you do it because I don't yeah. want. Yeah, I'm just that weirdo. But the thing is, the reason I do it is because I can now talk about the gospel mm. so clearly without having to to mess with definitions and it's it's very much uh, jesus has saved you from death <laughs> he offers you life and if you don't want it well god is a consuming fire you can only enter his presence and have life through jesus that's that's the only thing so so when an atheist says jesus saves you from god in, in some ways he's, he's kind of right god is perfect we're not if we want to be in his presence without being consumed which has a whole load of old testament imagery within it then we need the ultimate sacrifice to be able to be in his presence. And Jesus is that perfect mediator sacrifice. And as I've used it before, Jesus is our hazmat suit. <laughs> we can be in his presence by being in, in Jesus and, um, and his consuming presence will not burn us up. Like that's, that to me is, is so straightforward use of the gospel, John three sixteen and Romans 6, 20, 23, uh, Romans 6 20 to 23 the end the wages of sin is death but the gift of Christ is eternal life like that's that's straightforward for me now and yeah. I don't have to play around with words and I, I find that so freeing which is why I was able to write 35 pages on it um yeah. a good title for a book Jesus is my hazmat suit <laughs> Maybe I will. The yeah. doctrine of a, good, a good gospel track <laughs> I think I think that could work. I think that's my next kid's book. <laughs> my next one, I haven't written one yet. Uh, good. <laughs> so we're we're at the uh, one hour thirty um, yeah. mark, which is probably getting close to where where we start fading. Yeah. But um, you've you've got a pile of books there, Dan. Dan, before we go into the books and resources, what have you got? Any other questions? No, I was just I was just happy like chatting about Twitter stuff, like questions that people were throwing out on, on there. Oh yeah, we haven't even done that really. Should we, should we go, we, through, should should we we go, go through that? a couple? Yeah, we'll go through a couple and then we'll um that main we'll one. Uh, what was the quote I put about yeah? So, yeah, so so I don't know if I, hey, I'm gonna try something techie. I'm, I'm gonna see if I can do this and see if it streams. So and just scroll through some of the other here we go. So we go on to this view. Hopefully that works. Yes. Um, yeah, I can I can see it. I'm just checking if the stream works. So, London theists controversial tweet of the week. 
the fact that a lot of people want atheism to be true is shocking. And that was that literally was just me thinking out loud and thinking, like I said earlier, there's there are rational arguments for atheism. There are problems of evil. There are very smart atheists. I, I wasn't coming on here saying atheists are immoral or atheists are unrational. It is quite a tame tweet. It was quite, I thought that was just me thinking out loud. I'm shocked that people actually want there to be no ultimate meaning, ultimate morality, ultimate afterlife experience after every, yeah. So that was just me thinking out loud and I just tweeted it. Then we got, they're the Christians at the top, aren't they? Yeah, Christians at the top. Um, Hold on, here here we go. Well, for me, it's good further down, I think. Oh, yeah. There you go. You get the, the standard. I'd rather have no God than the God of the Bible. He's yeah. been really God delusion. Homophobic, um, petty. Oh, oh yeah. 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 Sorry, scrolling too fast. Uh, where, where's, where's the, oh, here's, here's a lovely one. This one made me laugh. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Is it, How is many it? times have you seen that one on Twitter? Yeah. I don't know who the guy is. Um but it's quite an interesting one. Yeah. He's a famous atheist. Uh, oh, is he? Yeah, he sort of talks about Islam and things like that. Oh, right. I've, I've missed him. Um, but uh, honestly, cool, Hi, Daddy. You, you see Richard, uh, not Richard, uh, Ricky Gervais uses that one. Yeah. So, all right, quick response. Quick fire. Tweet, tweet a response. What would you say? It's just a it's a contingent being, Zeus. They're created gods. They're they're lowercase g's. They're it's they're they're, they're not being itself. You'd have to spell out what essential being is, and that that most atheists probably actually know what that is. Mm. So it's quite hard to spell out in a tweet. That's why they have these little memes. Yeah. So you you tend to you know because it's it, it, the amount of times people have answered the difference between God and gods, and lesser gods and two thousand different gods that. There's only one true being, actual pure existence, and Zeus was never claimed to be that, never anything like that. Yeah, he was a useful mythology tool, but lowercase god. And it, it's yeah. If it was proved Allah doesn't exist, that's obviously slightly different. You have to go into quite deep apologetics to go Christian v Islam, mm. or prove Mormonism even isn't true. Then you've got to go into de- different things but proving zeus it's just a it just shows it's, it's not much but dan anything on that no i was tempted to write jesus <laughs> <laughs> jesus is why i believe in god but hey guy uh, daddy guy daddy good atheism, atheism is true yeah so, but what i was getting is that the you have some like going like really annoyed at you that you even mentioned that atheism is like a belief yeah at all and so you're wrong for that and then you're wrong because like because atheism is true (laughs) there's two two different sort of groups of them one of them and one of them i don't know if you've seen one girl retweeted it with my fin and she went it's just the default position and i was that's right even an argument like it's just it's true because it's default like It's also not default as well. So if you look in all the psychological literature about intuitive theism, mm. you know, uh, children tend to gravitate towards uh, ascribing, well, even human, adult, you know, we ascribe agency to, to things. Yeah. They call it um, promiscuous, promiscuous teleology. 
like mm. humans are gravitators promiscuous teleology so we we naturally ascribe agency to things and yeah. so actually rather than that which is perfectly because that doesn't mean that that, that that god does exist or doesn't exist but it's it's it it, it, it completely undermines the claim that uh that atheism is this intuitive natural disposition that human beings have i mean i mean it's uh, if that were the case um you would expect to see that throughout history ancient history um that really you only really start seeing it from about the 17th century we're extremely uh, religious so just naturally it's proven yeah. for history even now how many ancient. billions around the world are religious so it's not it's not a great terrible argument <laughs> it's quite funny though um What's yeah that? so a whole load of people saying that I'm fine with taking the reins of my own destiny, accepting responsibility. Religion isn't spirituality. I don't don't quite know what it's that a means. Shit show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I missed that bit. Yeah. Come on, um, so all right, we, we've just gone from PG to PG twelve now with all the. <laughs> oh, language. sorry, sorry. I'm not <laughs> well, no, he's quoting. It's it's okay. I'm quoting. <laughs> um, yeah, Wish probably thinking. Should... Yeah. Atheism thinking. isn't a proposition, but if you could right. demonstrate the existence of any deities, I'd change my position. This is him, epigenics. He's always commenting. He's he's a bit of a serial <coughs> stalker. But <laughs> what I always say to people is, you know, people say, "Well, a atheism isn't a, um, it's not a claim. You know, it's an absence of knowledge. Uh, it's an, an absence of belief rather than a, than a belief." Okay, but that. Do you believe it? Well, but that's bit it doesn't make much sense because the um the claim that there is no god is a is a claim about reality so it's a it's a metaphysical claim about reality yeah, yeah? that's do we accept that mm. yeah it's a metaphysical claim about that yeah, yeah. there is no god that is what uh the 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 world is that's what reality reflects but then to say you know that you know that is true is an is, is a claim about epistemology so you have to uh, it's a claim of knowledge to say that 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 that, that metaphysics is a reflection of reality is to make to make a, a claim about epistemology it's saying that you you know that is the case mm. so it is it is a claim it is a knowledge claim it's not a an absence of belief you say atheism is true that is you're you're stating a belief about a metaphysic yeah and yeah. I feel was arguing with a couple of them. I was seeing the back and forth, and one had about four different definitions of atheism, which all look pretty similar. Like one was to claim that they, uh, they don't believe there is a god or any gods. Yeah. So you don't, and then the other one is I just lack a belief there is no god. And then I posted he said like he was yeah. about definitions. So I just posted Graham Opie, who's like most famous atheist, one of the smartest, who was on capturing Christianity, and Cameron asked him it. And he said, no, he said, my definition, atheism says there is no God. Yeah. It's a positive belief claim. Yeah. And half, like Phil says, half the people responding take it as positive and say it's the truth. It's the truth. We, you're silly. You believe in Sky Daddy. And then the other half get angry at me saying, well, how can you just be angry at just lack of belief? What, what are you even talking about? So, so that's what Phil was getting in the comments and he jumped in. You're getting half and half, which yeah. I believe more in the and like you, what you explained, the Graham Opie version, the philosopher version, where it's a metaphysical claim. It's a worldview, it's a stance you're taking. Mm -hmm. And you, there might be evidence for it. There are, There is some things in his favour, problem of evil, divine hiddenness. But it's saying you're taking. And 
it just selects for people that have done a bit of reading and those that haven't you know so you've got the you know the group of people who just stay on twitter and have read might have read the god delusion they've got other people who might have read a little bit of, sort of philosophy philosophy religion or just thought a bit more critically about yeah. how the lack of belief definitely doesn't make any sense mm. <laughs> and, then, and then people are quite interested that second category are the philosophy original people are quite interesting to talk mm. to them, uh, even you can twitter and, and or just listen to them on youtube and they are interesting they they come with objections like meaningful ones whereas the other ones uh, the dilla hunty fan base dawkins fan base they're mm. basically new atheists that's what made me put that new atheism is dead quote today because of that quote yesterday i thought well they're all new atheists they're all basically the same branch of well, i just lack a belief you're what's wrong with zeus they're the same sort of stuff ain't it but, yeah yeah, yeah. That, that, and that's more of the same pretty much all the way through the, yeah. and is, you're, you're going to be getting notified for a little while I'm, I'm, I can feel it just popping in <laughs> I'm dropping good. out now I'll stop uh, winding some of them up mute it. I might mute it yeah, yeah. it's going to have it's going to have to be because it, where, where, it, where does it go really in, in that many characters other than everyone, everyone's just shouting their, their view on things and then some are saying I'm a, on to you I'm the biggest attention grabber now um yeah <laughs> I'm just how dare you tweet how dare yeah. you tweet london how, how dare i say something <laughs> which I, i'm just saying i find this that only atheists are allowed to talk on this domain yeah uh, absolutely <laughs> and it's not like any tweet is like that's the whole point of twitter is attention grabbing yeah, you're talking you're saying of you <laughs> no you don't have to comment you don't have to even look yeah. at it but they love it how, how, yeah how, how dare you get their attention and it's also it's also the other side to it of now you have to respond to me and tell me why where the evidence is yeah. um it's, it's a funny it is a funny world this social media stuff and I, I get drawn into it and sometimes i'm probably more immature on it than i should be Literally it's also very time consuming one. it is also yeah. very time consuming I've got on that second one the scientism one braxton hunter retweeted it so i was happy about that i got a little <laughs> oh, well and the two atheists who i've mentioned real real way theology liked it and secular outpost retweeted it and said the comments in this section with his hand on his head so that's an atheist saying look at he's, yep. he's backing up my point so that it's not like i'm attacking any atheist but you're just no. saying a certain thing but yeah yeah and, and, that, and that's what took me by surprise was was just how that isn't a controversial tweet like you haven't insulted anyone no <laughs> Look, and sometimes have you noticed when you say scientism the belief that science is the only sort of knowledge and they don't actually know what you mean. They have no clue what that means. That means oh, it's you're against science. You're a Christian who believes yeah. this and it's science. And no, it's not. You can't be bothered to explain it. Like it's yeah. not saying I'm against science. As a Christian, we, we're, we're for science. We should be for science and knowledge. Yeah. It's not going every, all our knowledge based on what we can empirically test. Yeah. It just doesn't even make sense. Absolutely. I'm just trying to keep up with some of the, the chat. There's um, a, a bit of a conversation. The programmer. Uh, so, so you say who's on been on here before, um, got us started on divine hiddenness last time. Um, and the programmer is having a nice little conversation between um, reading the Bible. And there's an interesting comment uh, that maybe we can finish on this. The Bible just, because it, it kind of links into two questions. The Bible just screams that it was written by backwards, bronze age, misogynistic, tribalistic men. Um, don't hold back, so you say. <laughs> let, let us know what you think. But the, um, was the other, there's um, yeah, just someone on the chat there. But the um, the question is like, 
in in become a Christian, were there good resources and good answers to the um, problems you had or might have faced when reading the Old Testament? Was was that your experience when you read the Old Testament? Did you feel it was written by backwards? No, no. Oh, and actually, this book that um, one took thing I took from the chapter, he said our brain sizes and our consciousness, our intelligence hasn't grown. In this is interesting because I thought atheists always say we were cavemen, silly, and now we're very smart. He's the opposite. He says when we were hunter gatherers, that was our height of our intellect, which kind of makes sense from a Christian aspect as well, in terms of the fall and in terms of where wherever you think Adam and Eve were, which is another very hard topic. A whole, whole another topic. I asked, so I got that question when he was on yours. I yeah, remember, and even he was saying, "Well, yeah, you've asked the the hardest topic going, but yeah." Yeah, but that would that plays into that. So that the intelligence was there thousands of thousands of years ago, really high level for for humanity. So all this Bronze Age, Iron Age stuff. I mean, the New Testament was written in the Roman period, and so it's, it's not as bronze uh, dated as they think. And and there's nothing. If anything, it, it amazes me. Like Genesis, reading it, and I'm thinking, if these were just normal humans, like the poetry, the beauty of it, the yeah. the full, the, the story of Cain and Abel, the way Jordan Peterson wrote that down, it's like this is the deepest meaning you could story you can get about mankind in six lines, or how, how short it is, and that that that's what Jordan Peterson that set me on that road. I think yeah. the stories are so deep when you look into them, and, and it, the structure of them, yeah, the structure of them, just every, just every Genesis is really deep, Exodus that. The whole Old Testament, I know there's troublesome passage. I know Leviticus, it, it does confuse me. There's certain yeah. food laws, there's certain cleanliness laws, and I need to read up more on that. Well, unless there's you're nothing in it. Are you a Levite? <laughs> no, 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 of course not. Yeah, no. I, I was talking to, um, so I get to chat to a rabbi because I'm part of a chaplaincy team at the uni I work, um, sort of help support. Anyway, there's a whole other story, but the, chief, the head of the chaplaincy is a rabbi who's also part of the priesthood. Right. And I was talking to him about some of the, the stuff in uh, Leviticus. And he's like, well, what's the problem? You're not a priest. <laughs> like, <laughs> so it, it's quite specific. Um, uh, he really brushed it off. I was quite surprised. I was expecting some more like, <laughs> like that- real in-depth insight. And, <laughs> and always like, what's your problem? <laughs> I'm, really, I'm really struggling with Leviticus. He's like, yeah, you a Levite? No. no. <laughs> Don't, Don't worry about it. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's not for yeah. you. Um, Paul, I read um is God a moral monster. Um, Paul Copen, have you heard of mm. that book? Yeah, that was quite good. I, I thought it was it touched on a lot of them topics and the Bible's unique weirdness and ancient. He, he dived into a bit ancient Near Eastern cultures at the time and how God worked with Israel where they were and mm. had to work with them with their influences of neighbors and. And he molded them into a people where his full revelation through Christ could come in. And that, that makes sense to me. I mean, there's, there's another good book similar to that. I don't know, you should worth reading called God Behaving Badly. Okay. Um, and uh, I can't remember who it's by. It's an Old Testament scholar. He's also, he's also written another book, like it's called like, uh, like Pimps, Prostitutes and poly- uh, Polygamists or something like that um about the same 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 old testament scholar but they're, they're got behaving badly is very good yes in terms of the old testament like you said it's, it's not it's something I, I can look more into but the paul copain and other things i've seen and 
I definitely don't see it as some backwards yeah. uh, civilization who's wrote this. So I, I respect it. And even if I went agnostic or when I was Finns, I'd never looked at the Bible as I was just some backwards farmer people who just yeah. <laughs> decided to write this. I, I, just, I don't get that outlook. Again, it's a very new atheist outlook and most atheists, intellectual atheists would not look at it like that. Yeah. Even Dawkins, I've, I've seen Dawkins on talk shows where he was talking to a singer who'd become a Mormon. Can't remember where it was. Uh, was he in The Killers? Oh, The Killers. Yeah. I saw, yeah. yeah I and that. Dawkins said, well, he was criticizing Mormonism. He said, at least the Bible, it's got a load of beauty in it. It's got history. It's got. So I mean, look at Dawkins sitting here giving the Bible props, <laughs> <laughs> talking about how beautiful the history is and the cultural relevance. And yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, some interesting conversation. Um, so you say, just to recommend some books, I do engage with Paul Copan. I'd, I wouldn't mind Paul Copan having a chat with him because he he seems to be up for this kind of conversation. He, he was on um, Adherent Apologetics, Zach. That's a really another good channel I like. Oh, yeah, Adherent Apologetics. But he also turned up on Skylar Fiction. Oh, wow. I don't know if you follow him. Um, I, no. I tend to stay away from, from that kind of channel. just Skylar's logo is a velociraptor on head on jesus's body and yeah exactly <laughs> he's, quite, he's quite a bit of a troll um from he had a debate with eric Hernandez. Have you yeah i saw that yeah when he was just talking about his balls and it just it was a really weird horrible skylar fiction and, and uh, yeah, so in a video. yeah, and I know i noticed that with eric Hernandez, so i didn't follow it but then i noticed that someone tweeted retweeted Skylar, I don't follow him, and then it was Paul Copan was on there, and I had to go on that show. I thought props to him; he seemed like a good, he seemed like he was in good humor. I, maybe at some point we can uh, reach out and um, yeah, we'll that. Shows like that. The the book I was mentioning it's called God Behaving Badly is the God of the Old Testament, angry, sexist, and racist, and it's by David T. Lamb. Right, David T. Lamb. That's cool. Okay. That's another book to to put in. So um, yeah, I, there's there's some interesting conversation like numbers eleven or something has been brought up, and um, so all, all I generally say with the Old Testament is generally if you've got a problem with it, it's probably cultural and it's probably um, something you that has been dealt with in the last well two thousand six thousand depending which part of the Bible you're in, it's probably been thought through um, and wrestled with and there's probably a good answer for it and um there's probably a context to it as well that's a little bit probably a bit less messy than uh, what it looks like or maybe more messy some of it is pretty messy i remember i was going through um what's the guy who um sacrifices or Abraham gives up Martin. his daughter as a, a sacrifice because she came up yeah, the door so first not, yeah but then there's there's a debate about that as as well yeah yeah there's of course there is there is but i'm just throwing it out there there's some stuff in the bible that we wrestle with we don't just turn our brains off and go <laughs> so it's all good the unity um, of the bible of course as well is another extremely strong argument uh, which one you've got 66 books that span thousands of years that all sort of interrelate the same story like there's like you can even see in the old testament like plural god like as if the trinity shadowing in there mm -hmm. and it leads up through israel and christ is the ultimate it just it ties in so many prophecies yeah. so many angles of the and just the bible itself as, as you were saying earlier phil is, is such a strong point but at, it, when you look into it through the union through the case of the resurrection mm. and so the old testament is so strong in pointing towards the ultimate destiny and 
it's, it's valuable for us, of course, to read and study and wrestle with. Yeah, definitely. So we've got um, just on my recommendation on resources on that. One of the things that's changed the way I've read the Bible is also, and you're talking about Genesis, is the Bible project and how they will always thread the themes from Genesis all the way to Revelation. And most of our doctrine, if it doesn't start in Gen- Genesis, then there's possibly something we're missing. Um, and so that's that's where I found a lot of the stuff that I've been re- wrestling with over the years. Generally, Genesis is, is such a amazing well-structured book that says so much more than just well what it says in in plain reading what the debates are about origins there's there's so much more to it than that um the atheists say talking snake yeah Yeah. you're talking snake whenever you yeah which is interesting someone someone said the same same word for nephilim is is the same as the serpent of Genesis. have you ever read michael heiser yeah a bit unseen realm of, i, I want to read it but I've, I've watched some of his stuff and it's really interesting how he talks about the divine council and so that's where lesser gods can come in see when mm. you talk about zeus and things like that, there could be a realm of god council, council, devil, yeah. sort of, and in the garden obviously it wasn't just a snake just roaming around like an animal snake and it gets up and so but yeah mm. Dan, you've you've read Unseen Realm, haven't you? You you got me onto Heiser at one point, I think. Yeah, yeah, I find it tough, tough reading. Yeah. You don't yeah. like Heiser. You don't like Heiser. I'll tell you what, Dan's a... <laughs> likes, Dan's likes very Keller. picky with his with his <laughs> I, I I read them like um, the thing about my Heiser is it it's um I'm not sure I can do what he wants me to do. I can't go as far as he wants me to go. I can't because um, I just think it's unlivable. Um, and I don't think it's it's very difficult. I think we're just inculcated in secular culture and it's just um, being a Christian in this culture and I just can't, I can't do what he's asking. And I find it very, I just find it uncomfortable and difficult but helpful i think he's helpful in many ways but i i, I just yeah he he's definitely worth engaging with him and, and, and reading and listening and listening to he's got a good podcast as well but I, I i had to stop uh i just yeah it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't he ties in like alien ufo ghosts or anything supernatural kind of with it which i spoke like demonic or things yeah. like that which it, i get as an explanation because obviously what to certain people that, like, who believe in that and mm. maybe there are ghosts, maybe it is demonic, maybe, but the way he does it is, yeah, I see what you mean from a, I'm like, you know, I've come from a very, obviously I've explained very secular. So just believing in God and then getting to that and then the devil and then other things added in, it's then quite hard for my mind probably as well to, to then start thinking of other got layers yeah. of gods or, or divine cancer and yeah yeah he's just he's just sort of person i'm sort of slightly wary of not in the sense that what, what he's saying is not necessarily it couldn't be true it could not couldn't be true uh i just think it's a sort of thing where i worry is sort of always one step away from sort of going down some rabbit hole and yeah. uh and it's I'm not, I'm not sure if he's that that helpful mm. and it's sort of the, the american aspect and stuff of it as well it's probably it, nothing against americans of course but there's a certain cultural element in what he's saying as well um and it doesn't always translate very well to our own uh you know 
issues and understanding and things. But yeah, it's that yeah, it's worth reading. Unseen Realm is a good book. I think there's there's a shorter book. There's I think um, there's Unseen Realm and there's another one that's like a, sh- a, a shorter sort of overview. Okay. Um, and that that's that was that was good as well. Yeah, cool. Top resources. Let's go there. I'm starting to um, hit the. Uh, we're at two hours mark, so I'm, oh. I'm, I'm, I said I was flaking about half an hour ago. So we're yeah. we're all good. We, we've made it this far. That's good. Top, top books. Then you, you've named a bunch, but Dan's going to hate me them. because there's books he's already seen unlike. So I'm a bit. <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't, I don't, he's not the arbiter of good books. Right. No. I've, I've got a few ish. I'll just show them. Yeah, just Dominion. Tom Holland, brilliant. It's, it's, it's pretty, anyone who hasn't read it, it's not strictly Christian. He's not a Christian anyway. But he's, he's very open about the history of Christianity and how it's benefited the West and the world. And have you both read? Have you both read that, I take? Yeah. Good yeah, yeah, yeah. Good okay. Um, this is for, for Dan. Five proofs of the existence of God. If I, I really like it, but... No, it might be a good book. I'm just going from his other from his other books. I oh, you haven't read this one? No, I haven't read that this one. This one's yet. really good. It, it goes on, it goes on about abstract objects. It goes on about um, Arist- the on move mover, basically hierarchical causes instead of lineal and cosmology. And yeah, five proofs, and it goes on about new atheist arguments. But I just found it really interesting. It's a different it's a different approach to um, the way Craig frames hmm. his apologetics. Uh, Craig as well on God, which is is good more argument fine-tuning i, I want to get reasonable faith but i found, I found re- reasonable faith too dense for me i uh i was uh, although i did make the mistake it was an audible and uh it went into some modal logic or something and i just there's too many p's and w's and stuff so oh, probably yeah. best to go for text on that one <laughs> I, I read a richard swinburne one i got a pdf version someone on twitter sent me it and it was on the resurrection of the son of God, God incarnate, son of God incarnate. And Rich Swinburne's really smart, but he's, the way he words things, he comes out with this Bayesian theorem. Is it oh, Bayes yeah. theorem? Bayes oh, God, yeah. it, God. I love the book, but in towards the last chapter, he's shown the probability of this X. That, and I was like, what? what? Hang on a minute. <laughs> so he's trying to mathematically prove the resurrection. <laughs> like, yeah. But I, I got what he was trying. But yeah, that was really interesting. Um, This one, sidebar. I got it from reading it. Have you, have you guys read it yet? I, I haven't. It's on my list since we talked to him. Um, like, yeah, I hear good it's things. Ba- it's basically a much better version of that Homo sapiens book. <laughs> um, it's right. like the, the proper Christian version because it's it's scientific, um, science all the way through. But he's explaining, he, he fully, as, as you know, evolution believer, completely mm. that. But he's turning his journey, but he's showing you how what, evolution can work how it does work sorry mm. and it's just really useful it's really useful and i'm really interested in it and highly recommend to anyone um resurrection son of god i think that helped again with my thoughts on heaven held uh mm. how the greeks thought of heaven held plato about the soul being in the body trying to escape the body and and then it gets onto judaism old testament mentions of heaven and hell all the way up until paul's letters yeah, it's a massive challenge, but it's really useful. And you come out of that and you're, you're really sure of the resurrection, basically, if, you, yeah. if you've had any sort of doubts. Like, it helped me on the intellectual side of it. I'd heard Craig's arguments on the resurrection and Gary Habermas. They're really good. And I felt Christ and I'd had religious experiences. But having that book, it was just, it just all made rational sense as well as spiritual. Mm. And it just, it yeah, I was, it was brilliant. And 
the last one I'll say, it's, a, it's just a daily devotional, Charles Spurgeon. Nice. And I think I read every day. It's, it's just a little little book. I thought, I've, I've got other books there, but I thought this would be a good thing to advertise it because you obviously it's not all just studying. You, yeah. That sort of thing, it gets, you get to know God more, you can pray through it. It's really encouraging. And he's, like we said about T.D. Jakes, and that Charles Spurgeon was a really, I, I don't know if you've ever read it, he was just so passionate. It's mm. inspirational without saying, you're going to be rich, you're going to be, you're, yeah. you're going to be, yeah. it's, it's just, Pure motivation through, through, and your love for Christ really grows for it. And it's so important to say, I'm glad you did, that it's not just about study. I think apologetics in the apologetics world, sometimes that bit gets missed that yeah. it's not just about arguments. It's actually about, a, it is about relationship. Like it's also religion, but it is about relationship and, uh, and working that out and, and spending time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that's, a, that's maybe a good way to, Sort of ended yeah. like just saying that as much as we love the apologetics theology chats and I love learning, it's it's great. Uh, I, I always need to spend time in prayer, in mm. devotionals, and talking to my pastor, talking to my, my fiance now about faith. And yeah, did you can't yeah, just yeah. spend all your time in books because there's the rational side, there's the spiritual side, and that's Absolutely. a great point to, to make towards the end. Has the chat been lively? Yeah. 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 Dan, are you going to finish it up this time? I always finish it up. Maybe you can finish it up. <laughs> uh, yeah, I always forget what you say. Um, yeah, um, Too much, usually. Just yeah. keep it short. Yeah, just um, thank you very much, Dean. It's really nice uh, getting to put a, uh, a face to the to the Twitter handle. And uh, I'm sure we'll be happy to get you, uh, have you back on here again. As I said, we've got no qualms of having people on uh, regularly, you know, and we're... Uh, and uh, plenty to talk about. And uh, if you want to listen again, uh, feel free to download the podcast. Watch us. Uh, we've got a couple of really interesting episodes coming up in the next next few weeks and months. Mm. Uh, if you want to support us, you can on Patreon. Uh, and uh, feel free to share us on Twitter, Facebook, and and uh, anywhere else you uh, share. Parlor. I never say. Is it Parlor? Parlor. Parlor. Probably. Parlor. Yeah. Parlor. Parlor. I think. Parlay, parlay. Yeah. <laughs> I barely use it. No one really yeah. uses it. No. Those who are grumpy at Twitter for being yeah. too liberal. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, other than that, thank you for listening. We'll uh, catch you next time. Awesome. Thanks, really Cheers, Dean. It. Thank you. Right. Thanks, Dean. Thanks all for watching. Those in the chat that Dan couldn't see because he doesn't check it. Programmer 136 Apologetics. So you say, thanks for watching and thanks for your questions. We'll see you later. Thanks, guys. Are you not Thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed the show if you like what you hear please do give us a subscribe on youtube or follow us on any of the social media out there and give us feedback get in touch let us know what you think if you really enjoyed the content and want to support it find us on patreon.com